Systems go. Hello, welcome and bienvenue. Konnichiwa, ni hao, jambo, marhaba. It's time for the Arms Inquisition yet again, episode 260 on Sunday, the 4th of December. I'm Phil. I'm Ben. And I'm Matt. And we've got Chris Tollworthy back with us again. Hi, Chris. Nice to see you again. Hi, thanks for letting me back. It's a pleasure. Mm. We, um, yeah, you've got uh, so much research in your mind <laughs> that uh, we want to tap and, um, the sort of idea behind this podcast was to focus mainly on Atlantis, which is one of my favourite subjects. Mm. And it's kind of in vogue with this, you know, incredibly dangerous Netflix series with uh, Graham Hancock. Mm. Um, now then, I've been looking into Atlantis for a few years now, whether it be books or YouTube channels or, or whatnot. In fact, I got Charles Bilitz's favorite, uh, famous book earlier this year in a, a charity shop which came out in the early 80s, I think, 84, something like that. And invariably, once you start going down this rabbit hole, most books or YouTube videos on the topic tend to start with the same account as their basis to move forward, and that being Plato's account from Timaeus and Critias. And I believe this sticks in your craw somewhat, Chris. Oh, it drives me crazy. I was just looking through all the the, uh, scholars I could find. They all start with... uh... Stuff like Atlantis is fiction invented by Plato, and Plato invented Atlantis, and Plato did it, and there was nothing before Plato, and blah, blah, blah. It's like the first line, but they, somehow they feel that's like a religious thing. They've got to say this, and it, that's garbage. You know, the whole thing was multiple times. It's in well-known Greek Greek uh, documents from before Plato. And it drives me crazy when they say it. I mean, you see why they say it, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, so I thought I want to get on there and just at least list some of the stories of Atlantis that are predate Plato. Have you have you any theories as to why Plato seems to always be the starting point? Is it the most detailed account, or is it is it because of Plato's sort of you know renown as a philosopher? Yeah, I think that's what it, I think. The problem is you can't bury him. You can't say he's an idiot. Anybody else, you can say, well, that's just their opinion. But with Plato, it's really awkward because whole of Western civilization says that Plato was very very clever. He's very accurate. He's just great. You know, we, you can't diss Plato. And yet here he is telling us about this 9,000-year-old civilization, and it's really awkward. Yeah. So you've got to just say, okay, he made it up, he made it up. You have to just own it and say, okay, he did say it, but he didn't mean it. <laughs> right, a lot of so modern... modern... Sorry, Chris, go on. Oh, so it doesn't matter whether he made it or not. We can construct the entire thing We're using people from before Plato. You don't need Plato for Atlantis. This is something that modern scholarship often uses as a cudgel to bash Atlantis. They say, well, Plato's story is an allegory to his life and times about Greece at the time that he was living. Yeah, um, I I use the example of the Second World War. I wish I could find out. Years and years and years ago, somebody wrote this fantastic essay about, totally tongue-in-cheek, about how the Second World War (laughs) didn't happen. Because all the names, apparently, like the name of Hitler, the name of Goebbels, the name of this person, that person, they all kind of fit. 
like, like as if they're fictional. Like somebody was called Iron and somebody was called Tank and somebody's, you know, and it makes a really, really strong case that the Second World War never happened. Now, obviously, it did happen, but if you wanted to, you could make it sound like it was an allegory. Like it never really happened. There's no evidence for it. I mean, you could say it's all contradictions. I mean, it's supposed to be against Germany and then America said it's against Japan. You know, ha ha, they made a stupid mistake. Like it's obviously fiction. Now, it isn't fiction, but it's very easy to make truth look like fiction if you don't want to believe it. Great point. So yeah. I thought it's interesting. I'm just going to sidestep it entirely. It's not not even talk about Plato. Let's talk about the story before Plato, and see that this was the best known story. Actually, it probably was the best known story in all world history. I mean, <laughs> where do you want to start? <laughs> yeah. Well, where where do we start when it mm. comes to pre-Platonic Atlantis references? Oh, Hundred and ten thousand years ago. <laughs> it's a link to a video I just saw last week. It's brilliant. This is the oldest story that's known to mankind. Because it's the same story is told not only in Greece, but in Australia. So they knew it had to be at least 50,000 years old. And it, it all centers around the, the seven stars, the Pleiades. Um, the Pleiades? Pleiades, whatever. Yeah. You know, the, the seven sisters. Only There's only six of them. And every single story about these says there were seven, but one of them disappeared. And that could only have been 100,000 years ago, because the, stars, the two stars are so close together, you cannot tell them apart with an naked eye. But you could 100,000 years ago. So that places it there. There's other evidence, too, that, that this is a 100,000-year-old story about Orion, the great hunter, and how he was attacking the seven sisters. And every single civilization on Earth, America, you know, Australia, Africa, you name it, has this same story. And this wow. is a story of mankind. And it's basically the story of how we left Africa. This is the out of Africa story of how you got these young, excited, macho hunters saying, we want to defeat the planet, we want to defeat the world, we want to defeat all the lands. And then the poor little lands getting defeated. So you got Orion versus the, the seven sisters. Each of them represents a different land. And that's basically the story of Atlantis. The story of Atlantis is the out of Africa. I mean, Atlantis just means a daughter of Africa. So a daughter of Atlas. Atlas just meant the mountains at the edge of the world, which they meant as Africa. When you got to Pliny the, Pliny the Younger, who said uh, that Ethiopia, you know, which means the burnt, land of the burnt face, is what we call Africa today, was the whole of Africa used to be called Atlantia. It's just the land of Atlas, because Atlas was at the edge of the world. They had this view of the world being a, a dome, and at the edge of the world, there's all these unknown the mountains, basically, over the mountains, who knows what's over there, and that's the area they're called Atlas. Probably comes from the word Adrar, which is the Berber word for mountain. It, just, it was the edge of the world, meant Africa, all the, the places you, you came from, the, the origin places, the land of the dead, it's like out there. And whenever they talk about it specifically, they're always talking about Africa and Ethiopia. So, yeah, it's the Art of Africa thing. This is a 110,000-year-old story. And, and uh, so, uh, uh, sorry? so you, men you mentioned the Pleiades about that. that's yeah. how you date the story to 110,000 BC because, well, because one of the stars isn't visible now. How do they know it was visible then? Right, well, you can track the movement of it. Well, I've got powerful telescopes. So, you can sh so there's all these stars you can't even see because they're too far away. Um. But those stars make the Pleiades. And there's actually seven of them, but on the powerful telescope, you can just about resolve that two of them are really, really close together. But the human eye can only see one star. But because of the way they've moved over the years, you can work, it, work the clock back and realise right. that the stars were separate. And they're further and further apart, the further back you go. You'd have to, they used to think you could, you could sell them apart about 50,000 years ago. So they say, OK, when uh, the story is split off to Australia, then they could see it. But they've done more accurate measurements since then. And they reckon, no, it was actually 100,000 years ago. You couldn't really tell them apart until 100,000 years ago. So that, that really, really dates right. it. And does this tie in with, like, the sort of modern understanding, like, of anthropology and, you know, how civilization 
you know, it's, it's the out of Africa thing, the accepted. Yeah, yeah, 110,000 years ago, we all left Africa. There's several waves. There's another one like 70,000 yeah. 70, or 50,000. And there's various ways. 110,000 is a sort of beginning point. And uh, yeah, I, well, that's what. This is why I get so excited about Atlantis and why it's so important and why scholars don't want to accept it. Because once you accept Atlantis, you accept that we have reliable records from 10,000 BC that talk about much, much earlier. And it opens up this entire 100,000-year history. It's all written there. It's all written in the stars. Mm-hmm. Um, what I wanted to talk about today is the examples of the, the, the more recent stories of Atlantis. Maybe end with the story how it is in the stars, because the Greek stars is just fascinating. Every detail of the stars, you know, when they rise, where they set, which ones never go below the horizon, what time of the year they appear, what colours they are, how far apart they are, you name it. Everything tells a story. You know, I mean, they're, they're, it's, it's amazing. We talk about not having writing before 3000 BC. We have writing in the sky. You know, they have these patterns, and they've interpreted these patterns, they've attached these patterns, all this meaning to it. And, you know, and you can, you've got a calendar there, you've got a space, you've got time, you've got characters, you've got events. And you, every story, you can put a date to it. In fact, I'm, I'll, I'll rush that a bit. This, I've got these notes I was writing down, no. and as you do, I completely just go away from them right from the beginning. <laughs> it's okay. But, you, you, um, yeah, 110,000 years old, okay. It's the world's oldest story, the story that all these... All the people have, they're from Australia, America, whatever, is how you've got the basically the builder, your, your young macho guy, your um, Orion, defeating the lands, the, these ladies who are like the, the, the gatherers, you know, the hunter defeating the gatherers. And now there used to be seven of them, and now there's only six. And that's what's most important. So that dates at 110,000 BC. Um, also, you remember the Yazidis I mentioned before, they have records too. They also date the beginning to 110,000 BC. So that's, that's two lots of records. Um, that is the, and that's when scholars say they left Africa. Um, so they got 110,000 BC. The next big date, you got 10,000 BC. You're the first of the seven sisters, who are the seven daughters of Atlas, the seven daughters of Africa, that is, what's called Electra. Now, Electra, her island, each of them has a, a particular place. Her island is the island of uh, uh, Mount Seus on, on, where is that? Well, south, south Seus? Anyway, it's the little island next to the Dardanelles, you know, where Europe joins to Asia. Because uh, mankind, after we left Africa, we settled in uh, Anatolia for quite a long time. Modern Mainly, Turkey. Yeah, modern Turkey, yes. Yeah, because the um, Neanderthals had taken over um, further north. Uh, they, they were already in um, Europe. And so, but when, so in the story of the Seven Sisters, you've got a story of how we left Africa and how we then spread out to, in this case, Greece. Yes, I know, Electra is one of them. Her mountain was this little island just by the Dardanelles, so that's when you first left um, the, uh, the old world, as so that dates it to about 10,000 BC. This is very much in the time of Gebekli Tepe, you know, that, that's the place. Um, now, her son was called Iazon. Uh, he loved Demeter, who was representing agriculture, you know, the, the goddess of agriculture. So, and that dates it to 8,000 BC, because that's when you get your settled farming. So this, the story is that, that she was in silent by the by the Dardanelles. He had a son who loved agriculture. Um, and then I think it was Zeus said that he, he can't do this. He can't he can't settle and have agriculture. So he killed him. Uh, luckily, Electra had another son. I think who is it now? Um, it was, yeah, it was the rape of land basically. Dardanus, that's right. And Dardanus then left. Dardanus said, "I'm sick of this. I am leaving the old world. I'm going to go to Europe." And that's where we get the Dardanelles from, wow. which is a little gap between Europe and Asia. And it's named after Dardanus, the, the son of... Anyway, 
now, now according to the scholars, they left about 6,000 BC. You can actually tra trace where all the animals were, like animal droppings and, and skulls and so on, where people were herding animals. So that dates us about 6,000 BC. But also, the, the Pleiades were called little pigs, and pigs were also domesticated 6,000 BC. <laughs> so again, you've got 110,000 BC, you've got your 10,000, your 8,000, you've got your 6,000 BC. It's all in the story. The next big date was uh, Dardanus' son, uh, Eric Thonius, and he was known, according to Homer, as being the wealthiest man alive and having a lot of horses. Now, horses were domesticated about 2000 BC. So you got the idea of them settling further in Europe with horses and money, and it's going really, really well for them. And, uh, and that's when you have the Atlantis story begins, the Atlantis that we know from Plato. And then Erichthonius' son, Tross, built Troy. Troy is a city of Tross. And so and that's about 1000 BC. So just this story of a lecturer who was one of the daughters of Atlantis, sorry, daughters of Atlas, Atlantis just means a daughter of Atlas. Uh, the story of Electra, you've got all these dates, you know, 10,000, 8,000, 6,000, 2,000, 1,000 BC, all contained within the story. And I think that's brilliant. That is the way to teach history. You know, I mean, and now we can dig up the archaeology and sort of work out and find out they're actually correct. But it's all there in the stars. And that's just Electra, that's just one of the seven sisters. And they've each got a story like this. You can go through each of this each of the seven sisters, and you can see what, what part of, of uh, Greece they belong to, and how you, it's, it's a story of how Greece, the Greeks, well, the Athenians specifically, granted the game from the old world, you know, from Turkey as it is now, to all the different parts of Greece, and how they settled in these seven places, and they, they became the, the seven sisters. And they weren't the only daughters of Atlas. The point I want to make also is that there were many daughters of Atlas. There are many Atlantises or Atlantides, so when you have different people saying, no, Atlantis was actually in, in America, or Atlantis was here, or Atlantis, Atlantis is everywhere, basically. I think they're actually right, because this is a pattern. Every, throughout history, you've had the, the young men have gone and left and found a new, a new land. The successful ones are good married on, on boats, because that's the only way you travel. So whenever you have a powerful maritime civilization, they tend to have circular harbors, you especially as you see this in, in the Phoenicians. Um, all, the Venetian capitals like Tyre and Sidon and uh, Carthage, of course, all have their circular harbours. And you can go back in time and you can see how the, the dominant um, the dominant civilization, the maritime civilization, always had the circular harbours. And they always grew proud and they always invaded other nations and they always finally had a <laughs> catastrophe. So the Atlantis story has been repeated many, many times. So I'm quite happy to say, yes, there was an Atlantis in America, and yes, in Ireland, quite, yes, because that's just the normal way. You have a circular harbour because it's the easiest way to defend it. You know, this is not, it, it's nature, it's natural. You know, we invade because we're human. We do these things, we go proud because we're human. Uh, it all collapses because pride makes us weak and, and lazy and take chances and so on and so on. Everything in the Atlantis story is very specific to a particular example that Plato knew about, but it is also was repeated many, many times. Uh, and as I say, I specifically would point to Tyre, to Sidon, to um, Tunisia, to the Eye of Africa, and I'm quite sure throughout the world this has happened many times. So it's not like the different Atlantis people are all enemies and one's wrong and the other's one's right and all the rest are wrong. I think they're all looking at different Atlantides because there are many, many daughters of Atlantis. Or the other point I'd make out is not just the seven Pleiades, there's also seven Hyades, which were the ones who um, were the nursemaids to Dionysus. Dionysus means Dionysus, which means they came from Nisus, which is the old world. Um, um, it's the thing the Hittites call themselves at the Nisus. Dio just means Zeus. It means Zeus from Nisus, Nisus in the old world. 
um, the Hyades were the oldest daughters of Atlas, the original ones. And the important thing what they did is that they were nursemaids to Dionysus, who gave us um, civilization, basically. Particularly, he gave us alcohol, because alcohol is the basis of civilization. And all the scholars, if it was any good, say this. That's how we persuaded, our ancestors persuaded the um, hunter-gatherers to stop being hunter-gatherers and become slaves, because they got drink and booze. <laughs> all drugs. I mean, seriously, that, that book, uh, Against the Grain, it, it explains why it is we have a civilization was based on grain and wasn't based on, on seafoods or potatoes, because grain is very easy to tax. It's above the ground, and it all comes right at one time of the year, so the king is, has to come in and see how much you've got and take your money off you. But the advantage, other advantage of, of grain is that you can make booze from it. And if you look at the Egyptian story, uh, there's the best example of Atlantis, the Egyptian story of Atlantis. It ends with the booze. That's how they solve the problem. They get everybody drunk. And that's how they get them to, to finally settle down and stop killing each other. Oh, you have to explain that. Just before you explain the Egyptian story of Atlantis, um, we got a message from David Stig Hansen. Wanted to say hello. Hello. Hi, David. He's, uh, he's been to the recat structure a couple of times, apparently. Mm. Oh, he's fantastic. Oh, I was going to tell him about this. This is wonderful. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, he's a great guy, great guy. Is David another researcher in this area? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's actually been there. I mean, I am a classic armchair person. I'm the lazy kind. Yeah. I just sort of look at it and say, why aren't they talking about this? Whereas David <laughs> actually goes there. All right, cool. Is, you can't beat personal experience. You can't. Mm. Uh, yeah. Now, yeah, I'll have to check out uh, David. Send us some links to uh, your stuff or your YouTube channel if you have one, and uh, we can check it out. Mm. Um, but you, you were just. Uh, wet my appetite you were going to tell us about the egyptian atlantis story because yeah. i mean plato says that he gets the story from solon who lived before plato and he got it from the egyptian high priest so even if you're sticking with plato you've it's an egyptian story that he's supposedly relating so yeah. how what's yeah, the egyptian version well it's, it's a crazy thing i mean why do people say he made it up plato himself said don't believe me it's written on the walls of the temples and it's written in multiple places it's actually quite easy to find I mean, this is one of the main things that makes me think, what are scholars doing? I know what they're doing. They're, they're to, they are paid by universities who are paid by the government to train people to be good workers. They do not want anarchists. They do not want hippies. They do not want people who believe in Atlantis. They do not want Marxists. They don't want anybody else. They want good workers. And that's why they've got to believe a certain thing. And that's why they teach us. But yeah, Plato said it's on the walls of Egyptian temples. You can go there and find out. They call it the the story of the destruction of mankind, also known as the story of the heavenly cow. It's easy to find because the Egyptians didn't tend to... <gasps> heavenly to cow? Yes. Right, because the, the, the Pleiades and the Hyades, they're, they're in the constellation of Taurus. I hadn't thought of that, yes. Heavenly cow. In. Yeah, I'm, I'm not an expert at this. What, what, what got me was, though, um, the, the dating thing. Remember, Plato says it's 9,000 BC, and so many Atlantis people say he must have made a mistake, he must have been 900 years. I think, no, it doesn't matter if he didn't say 9,000 years, because he defines it specifically as the start of the constitution. And he defines the constitution as a division of labor. He says this is when the Egyptians and the Athenians first had uh, separate jobs for scholars, separate uh, soldiers, separate farmers, separate priests, separate artisans, and so on. And the division of labor began when we had settled farming. So even without the date, we know it has to be 908,000 BC. And the, the big deal then was when you got cattle, fa cattle farming. And the, the, the cow people were the people of Anatolia, they, the pre-pottery Neolithic. And they were the ones who rescued the Egyptians. But yeah, the, the story of the destruction of mankind 
it's, a, it's on King Tutankhamun's tomb, some various other tombs. And that's, that's 1300 BC, so that predates Plato by a thousand years. And briefly, the story is that long, long ago, right at the beginning of, well, not the beginning, but the beginning of this particular cycle of Egyptian history, Egypt was in a bad way. The, 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 uh, king, the gods were sort of weak. Um, somebody else had taken over, these blasphemers, they called them, had taken over Egypt. And they, the only way to get rid of them was the people of the cow came and drove them out to the mountains and killed them. Oh, this isn't Hyksos, is it? Um, Hyksos, no, this is, is 9,000 years earlier. Oh, <laughs> shit, right, OK, sorry. But, but again, it's the pattern. These things happen. You know, whenever people get power, they tend to invade, you overstretch yourself, you become lazy, and, you know, that's what I'm saying. There are many Atlantises. This particular story that he was talking about is, is the one that was on the Egyptian tombs. Right. Yeah, and it is about the people of the cow rescuing Egypt. I mean, that is, remember the story of Atlantis is basically that uh, people from the West invaded Egypt. Egypt said, help me, help me. And the, the um, people of Athens came and rescued them and drove out the Atlantis. So that's the story. And that's the same story on the walls of Tutankhamun's tomb, in that Egypt was in a really, really bad way uh, because of these invaders. And the, the people of the cow, i.e. the people from Anatolia, i.e. the, the descendant, ancestors of the Athenians, came and rescued them and drove them out. And, the, of course, that, there was a lot of war there because presumably the people from, the, from Anatolia weren't as friendly as the Egyptians are making out. And the, the Egyptian gods were not as powerful as they were making out. This, this is their, their propaganda version. I mean, when they say the gods are weak, you know the gods are defeated. You know that Egypt was, was in a really bad way. And you can show it archaeologically. You don't need to rely on this. It, it all tells the same story. But yeah, the people, the people of the cow saved Egypt. And that is the story of Atlas, of Atlantis. And you can say, well, well, where did they drive them out to? They drove out the mountains. Well, they're not going to drive them out to the Egyptian mountains because that's, that's in Egypt and they're not very big mountains anyway. They're not going to drive them to the Anatolian mountains because that's where the people of the cow came from. So they must, the only mountains nearby are the mountains to the west. And this became known as the mountains of death. The ancient Egyptians and the um, Athenians all saw death as the land of the dead as being over to the west because yeah, you didn't go there because this is where the powerful people were who were going to kill you it, it all tells the same story so yeah the, the, these are the people of atlas the people the land of the dead is the atlas mountains because that was the edge of the world as they knew it and so the idea was that's when the sun goes to set and when you die you go over those mountains and you fall down this big pit and actually on a tangent there in the days of homer it's actually seen as a good place it's a very blessed place uh, it was only later on when the Athenians became more powerful and st start to expand and go to the West. That then the propaganda said that the people in the West had to be really bad guys. But, uh, so it's really interesting how the Hades started off as a good place and became a bad place. And, um, and if you actually look at the description of Hades, they're basically describing Atlantis. But yeah, the story of the heavenly cow is a story of, Atl of Atlantis, and it's on the walls of the tombs, just as Plato said. You don't need to trust Plato. I mean, I, and the, the main main reason... If you remember nothing else about uh, the pre-Plato um, Atlantis, is that the scholars try to tell us that Atl Atlas the king in Plato and Atlas the um, oh, gone blank, the, the gods versus the Titans, Atlas the leader of the Titans. Uh, the the scholars try to pretend they're two different people, and they're not. All the all the ancient sources say they were the same person. Atlas the king was Atlas the Titan. So when you're reading about Atlas the Titans, like the Titanomachy, the, the great war between the, the, the gods and the Titans, this was the story of Atlantis. If you're Titanomachy, it's, it began with the people of Atlas uh, taking far too much interest in Egypt. Again, it's the same as in the story of Plato's versions of, version of it.
And so that then the, the gods decided to drive them out, and they drove them out to the back to the west when they came from. Yet it's the same story as Atlantis. Now the scholars try and say that, well, Atlas the king and Atlas the titans were two different people. Garbage. You know, again and again and again, you, all, the, all the sources say they were the same person. It's the same story. You know, when you, it's the founding myth of, of Athens and the founding story of Egypt are the same story as the story of Atlantis. The same as a hundred thousand years old story that's throughout the world. It's the same story. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm going on and on. Oh, Interrupt. Sorry. No, I was just letting you go. Well, um, I mean, so are we saying that these, are these all these stories related different events that have happened through history, or is it an echo of the original event that's being retold and made? Specifically, the original event from nine thousand BC. I mean, obviously they're simplifying it. I mean, I would argue that the actual event we talk about, we, we, you could include ten thousand BC because you've got you know, Gebekli Tepe, then you've got the leaving there. Uh, 8,700 is like archaeology pinpoints it. And that's the other, the other point. That's the first thing that got me interested in, in Atlantis. I said, well, instead of saying, well, was he making it up? Let's look at archaeology. And sure enough, the people of the West, people of the Atlas Mountains, travelled east and disappeared from the record 8,700 BC because of the Younger Dryas. And then suddenly the people of Egypt all disappeared. Now, the Natufians. And then a few hundred years later, the people of Egypt reappeared, but this time they had weapons. Before that, they never had uh, spears, sorry, bows and arrows. But after that, they had bows and arrows. And then after that, the people of the West suddenly reappear in the West again, uh, only slightly further east than they were before. Yeah, so archaeology backs this up. Mm-hmm. It happened just when the said it is. Yeah, the people of the West invaded Egypt, killed everybody in Egypt, got driven back again. And, and after that, that's when you get the, the first... I mentioned in my book about... History is defined by this great wall of Jericho, the first great wall, the first great tower, the biggest building in the world for 5,000 years, um, 8,000 BC. And just as Plato said, 8,000 BC is when the Egyptians began their uh, their nation, but specifically is when they start having a division of labour, i.e. when they settled, i.e. when they built this big tower at Jericho. Because Jericho, not Egypt, as we, has always been the whole area, including what we now call Israel. And the whole Egyptian empire, I mean, Israel was just a little corner of Egypt. Um, it, it covered everything from Libya up to Syria. Occasionally, it sort of shrunk down to denial. But uh, the, the, the original centre was at um, the um, at Jericho. So all the dates add up. It's exactly as Plato said. 9,000 BC was when they had the, the battle. 8,000 BC is when Egypt when it finally got sorted out. Because these things take hundreds of years. I mean, we're talking skirmishes. We're not talking like it's... A, spaceships in here yeah we're talking people walking and this is another epiphany when i realize everything they're describing really takes place in the eastern mediterranean um, i mean the, these things were repeated around the world these, these are patterns that we, we learn i mean so this is a point because a lot of people point to the reference to the pillars of hercules and that this is the gap of gibraltar mm. uh, the, gap, the, end, yeah. the, the gap between um southern spain and north africa yeah, yeah, but by, by sort of 200 BC it was. That's because um, the Athenians have been expanding. If you look at the earlier text, they're very clear that, the, well, basically there were lots of pillars of Hercules. I mean, it's more specifically, the actual word is stella. It's like a, it's a memorial, a stone with writing on, not actually a pillar. And what would happen is whenever the Greeks would conquer somewhere, they'd put a stone down and say, we've been here, Hercules has been here, because Hercules was the, the symbol of Greece, the symbol of Greek power. If you look at the stories, wherever Hercules was, that's where Greece was. 
when they defeat a nation, they stick some pillars there. It's like this um, stella, rather, you know, stones with writing on, you know, saying that we've been here. And there's examples of pillars of Hercules in the east, in the south, and the west. In the particular time of, of Plato, it's pretty clear that they were around Tunisia, because, um, and especially but before the, the the seas rose, there were a lot more islands, and it was very. It was very much east of the Mediterranean was like it was enclosed. I mean, it wasn't completely enclosed, you know. It was rather like, like the North Sea, you know. It's kind of enclosed by Britain and, and Europe. I mean, you can, you know, big gaps, you know. The the, the Tyrrhenian, as Plato talks about, the Tyrrhenian Sea, which is the bit between sort of Sardinia and, and Italy. It, was, it, it felt like it was enclosed. There's so many islands around. And that was their world. So, so the Pillars of Hercules, until about 400 BC, were around Sicily. And then there's expanded further west. All the, all the myths, and you can trace the myths, and the myths will first of all place things really locally, and then 100 years later the version of it places it further away, and eventually the Pillars of Hercules will travel all the way up to Europe and until they're up in the lands of the cold and cold north. <laughs> it's quite <laughs> funny, I, I trace it in my book, you, they're very, very clear, these things expand, they, they move, because it, it represents the edge of their known world, the edge of the world they felt comfortable with. Right, that, point, sorry? that's another one, because Plato man- uh, mentions... The area of is it Libya? Does he reference that Atlantis is the size of Libya or something like that? And am I right? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says it's larger than Libya and uh, um, Asia. Asia. He says Asia, doesn't he? But at the time, Asia would have just been sort of um, Western Anatolia to the Greeks. Exactly. Yes, we've got to use words as they mean them, as as they use them. Right. I mean, in particular, I mean, I mean, everything's about Atlas. And something I discovered, discovered last week, I wish I'd put it in my book. Um, the, the Berbers, who were the original people of the Sahara, I mean, they're the ones you should go to if you want the real story of, of Atlas and Atlantis and the rest of it. All these words, in case anyone isn't following this. Atlas, uh, Atlas is the base word for Atlantis, means daughter of Atlas. Atlantic, which is the sea of Atlas. Uh, Atlantia, which is the land of Atlas. Anything with Atlan in it, it just means Atlas. It just means this land, the original land. Uh, anyway, and the people who lived there originally, a bit, a bit further away than the Greeks knew, really, further away to the west, i.e. just past Libya, i.e. Tunisia and onwards. And you know, as they expanded, they kind of conquered that area, and so then it meant past the, um, you know, into the Atlantic Ocean as we know it. But back then, you've got to use the words as they use it. As you say, Asia to them meant Asia Minor, which meant you know, Anatolia, modern-day Turkey. Uh, Libya meant that the northern part of, of Africa, pretty much the whole northern of it, um, between Egypt and the, the mountains. Yeah. And uh, it came to mean pretty much as everything. Um, but yeah, they've got to use the words as they use them. That's why, what, what was I saying? Last week, least the Berbers spoke of Atlas as the king of Mauritania. Now, Mauritania is the gap between the Atlas Mountains and the anti-Atlas Mountains, i.e. the west coast, i.e. near to the Rickat structure. And they, but from the ninth century, and I suspect long before that, they used to call this the island of the West because it was a gap between the mountains. It's a reminder that their concept of island wasn't our concept of island. When they use the word island, they just mean a, a place you go to by over water. And since they didn't have many ocean going vessels, um, a river and the coastline weren't that much different. In fact, conceptually, they saw all the rivers and all the coastlines being part of the same world ocean. Now, this sort of concept of the world. Uh, the water sort of spreading out and then sort of recirculating. It's all the same thing to them. An island just meant anything you have to cross water. And the, the example of the of Mauritania, I mean, today it's a desert. 
and it would have been a desert back then too, but they called it an island because it was separated. You'd have to go over water to get to it. I mean, you could walk across the desert to get there, but only an idiot would do that. It's much quicker just go around the, around the coast. An island, you meant anything across water. And so it refers to like a, that area of desert as the, the island of Mero, was a famous, the, the capital of Nubidia. Nubidia? Nubia. Nubia. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh Nubia would be south of Egypt, wouldn't it? Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. New Media would be northern. Af- would be more sort of what they would call Libya, wouldn't it? The, the yeah, first yes. New Media cavalry the Romans had. Yeah. yeah. The, the point is, the capital of Nubia is called the Island of Mero, and we wouldn't call it an island today because now we're thinking of an ocean with like loads and loads of water. All they meant was you have to go across water to get there. In the particular case of Mero, it's where the River Nile splits into two, so you've got to go across water to get to Mero. And so it's the island of Mero. <laughs> You've got to use their words. We can't use the modern words for it. I mean, it's like in the Bible when people say the whole world was flooded and we think of the planet. Now, the whole world to them was, you know, could have been any 20 miles in any direction. You know, I mean, if you're flooded, you're flooded. It doesn't matter. How does and this, how's this sort of um, like the climate change from the Younger Dryas affect the story when it comes to this Atlas region and where the Atlanteans were living? Well, yeah, yeah, well, that's, that's what caused the people, we call them the Ibero-Mauritians. Um, basically, they were the Atlanteans, the people of Atlas, the people of the Atlas Mountains. That's what caused them to move eastward, because the, the weather had changed, and they, it was getting drying up a bit. And that's why they attacked Egypt. Right, and, so they were forced uh, east yes. due to the Younger Dryas. Yeah, because the great thing about Egypt is the Nile always runs. This is why Egypt has the oldest records. Because no matter, I mean, Plato talks about this. Everywhere else, every sort of few thousand years, something will go wrong. Whereas the Nile, it's always there. Whether it's it's good, it's bad, indifferent. Every single year, you always get the flood. You always get nice soil. You always got water. So you, whatever happens, you can go to the Nile, and you always have a bit of life. Uh, yeah, it, it's wonderful. It really is. Yes, that, that's that's what caused it to happen. Um, as, as far as Plato's version and. Again, I have to say, these are patterns. You know, we have crises and and floods and, and um, asteroids and you name it. Things happen. You know, so this kind of pattern will happen. And I'm totally in favour of people who say, you know, that there is a circular place in in America or a, a circular place in Ireland, and they will destroy by a flood as well. Yes, these things happen. That was something you know, I was going to ask you. Really, what you thought? Have you, have you looked into the Azores story of Atlantis? Oh, whether there is anything there. In that, I, I trust the people who make it. I mean, I, I'm sure they're not lying to us. I can quite because you know, if you if you've got a maritime um, civilization, certainly back then, today is different because today you've got airplanes and you've got um, explosives and so on. So that makes a different. You build things differently today, but thousands of years ago, you know, you will you would build a circle. You look for something circular. It's easier to defend. So yeah, wherever there's a circle, you'll find people and you'll find that they use it as a as, as a fortress. I mean, this is why the rich up structure. I mean, it has to be a fortress. Because you know those people every 5,000 years or so when they had a wet Sahara period. That was just teeming with people. And this was a natural fortress. So, of course, they'd use it as a fortress. And, you know, and it has rivers going everywhere, particularly the Tamanrasset, linking it to the, the northern part of, of Africa. So, obviously, it's going to be full. You, you, don't need, you don't need to prove it. I mean, you need the, the onus on proof is to prove that people didn't use a natural fortress. It's like when I I've got badgers, I feed the badgers every day. Got local badgers are wonderful. If I put the peanuts out and they've gone in the morning, I know the badgers have eaten it, and something's going to eat it. You know, if you're going to prove to me that the, something magical has happened to the peanuts, I want you've got to prove it to me because I know if you put peanuts out there, something's going to eat it. 
Similarly, if you have a circular fortress, people are going to be there. You know, you, you know it, it's very much like the 12,000-year cycle of history. When the scholars say that we didn't know about the 12,000-year cycle um, until like 200 BC, that's garbage. It's like saying we don't know there's 365 days in the year. You know, as long as you've got a, a temple or a, any kind of permanent settlement, you're going to align it to the the stars that arise and the, and the spring because that's when you want to you harvest. And so you're going to have this thing narrowly pointed at the stars. And after 50 years, it's it's going to be in the wrong place. You're going to notice the stars have moved. You know, everybody's going to notice every time there's been a civilization, they're going to have um, they're going to have uh, shrines pointed at stars. And every time 50 or so years passes, i.e., one human lifetime, they're going to notice that the stars aren't where they used to be because they'll have drawn them there. And they'll say, you know, look between the, this channel, and you will see the stars arise at the beginning of the year. And people are going to say, wait a minute, they're not quite in the right place. And, and then all you need is a stick, a stick in the ground. You draw a circle, because that, you know the stars always move in circles. And you think, well, it moved this much in 50 years. Da, 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 another 50, another 50, another 50. 20,000, 30,000 years. You're not going to be precise. But everybody's going to know that it's going to take 20, 30,000 years to go all the way around, because it's moved that little bit in 50 years. So the only sort of proof is on the scholars to prove that they didn't have these things. Yeah, we're not. We don't have to pretend to claim that they had absolute precise mathematics, which they may well have had. I think yeah, that. Sorry, sorry, Chris. I was just going to say. I think the thing that maybe scholars have a problem with with the long, like the long count, the procession of the equinots. Great. Yeah, they knew. Maybe they knew this thing happened. But how is it? How is it relevant? That's probably what interests me more. Why is it relevant to them to uh, to sort of mark these things? And we get it through, you know, we talk about the age of Aquarius, the age of Taurus. It all seems to tie in with theology as well, like the Old Testament and Egypt as well, the age of Aries. These sort of religious things seem to line up with these periods yeah. of the, the long count. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about that last week. I think it all comes down to what we are as physical humans. You know, we all we are born... Every 25 years, a child, an adult, a, a person can be born 25 years later on average, they can have kids, you know, or 18, 25 years, whatever. Uh, every 25 years or so, you've got a generation. And you've got a, a whole generation of people having new ideas, rejecting the old ideas. And that creates a cycle of 25 years. You've then got human life being 100 years. The oldest people with the dead are 100 years. 100 years gives you human memory. So even though the kids have different ideas, they've got people around who can remember the past. So you've got a natural cycle of 25 years, you've got a natural cycle of 100 years. Now, I mentioned before um, about this 5,000-year cycle um, of we're living through an information revolution now. And there's another information revolution 5,000 years ago um, when we invented writing. And there's another information revolution 5,000 years before that when we had the division of labor. Because for the first time, you're specialists, people who knew what other people did not know. And that was a huge information revolution. So that's a 5,000-year cycle. I mean, look at it. All these things are quite natural. I think this is what, you know, uh, Graham Hancock is, uh, argues that there could have been, you know, every 12,000 years, there could be bombardments from outer space. Yeah. Uh, possibly. But if you look at Egyptian dates, the dates for their big changes, they only average 12,000 years or 20,000 years, whatever. They're, they're, sometimes they're a lot shorter. Usually there's a lot of 10,000 years-ish. Anyway, my, my, my thinking is it comes down to what we are as people. 25-year cycle of birth, of new ideas. 100-year cycle of everybody dying, so that's new ideas and take over. You've then got the memory of writing these things down. And then you've got the physical limit in your brain. Most people can remember about 100 friends. If you have more than 100 friends, 
you start to forget the details. You can only keep track. This is why you optimal size for a human um, tribe is 100 people. 50 people, 200 people, you know, it depends. That's that kind of number. And I think that is the basis of why we forget things. You can remember history, but after about 500 years, you know, you really, really, you can't remember all the details. You can't remember that every single king. If you look at how history, there's a 500-year cycle. Rome is a great example of that. 500 BC, they, you know, the Roman Republic. 500 years later, they turned it into a, an, an empire. 500 years later, the West, Western <laughs> Empire collapsed. Yeah. 500 years later, the papal, the popes became super powerful in, in Rome again. 500 years later, the Eastern Empire collapsed. But, 500 yeah. years later, we got today, and people are just rejecting Catholicism completely. It's <laughs> like we can forget everything. It takes about 500 years to... We just can't hold that many people in our in our minds. And after 500 years, it becomes so fragile that the next natural disaster is enough to knock it down. So it comes to natural disasters. Natural disasters are why we have a why we why we live a certain age. Because you know, if if you're a microbe, it's a much more dangerous world, and you've got to have a life cycle of like a day or two days. If you're a whale or a whale shark, you can maybe have a life cycle of 500 years. For us, because of the way we live, because of, and natural cycles, an environment makes our life cycle of 25 years so optimal. And so the life, the environment and disasters create this life cycle of humans living about 100 years, having children in, say, 25 years. And they also create the natural disasters that mean after you've sort of forgotten everything you used to know after 500 years, because you can't hold it in your head, then you're weak, then the next disaster will, will knock you down and the, and the next civilization will arise. So what my argument is there's a 25-year cycle, there's a 100-year cycle, there's a 500-year cycle. There's a two and a half thousand year cycle, uh, which, which I suspect is, is to do the same thing. You can remember stuff, you can remember sort of patterns, but you can't remember everything. Like in the Bible, you know, 500 years BC, 500 BC is when uh, the Bible, as we know it, was created, when they had a canon. And there's a real difference in the Bible. After 500 BC, you had all, they all settled, they've got kings, you know, and they're monotheists. Before 500 BC, they're all roving shepherds and they're polytheists. And the, the monotheists tried to argue that really they were monotheists all along because they couldn't really cope with the idea of being different. But this big change, two and a half thousand years, and you can sort of remember the previous one, but before the previous one, they're totally lost. Before 3000 BC, I two and a half thousand years before they had the Bible. That's when you got the invention of writing. And before that, they're really, really vague. They get a sort of vague story of, of uh, Adam and Eve, but they're really re vagueness. We can only hold a certain amount in our brain. Anyway, that's what I'm getting to. I think, I think it's down to the human body in the cycles. 25 years, 100 years, 500 years, 2,500 years, 5,000 years, then 10,000 years. By 10,000 years, you can't remember anything. You know, we've totally lost it. We're very, very weak. Whatever it was that built us up as, to be what we are, we've forgotten it all. We're, we're idiots. And that's what the, it, what the um, Hindus say. We have this sort of, these patterns, this cycle, where we forget and it becomes harder and harder, and we go down, and then we change, and we start again, and go up again, and down again. And I think, that's just my personal theory, it's all based on how we can only remember about 100 people, and, and how you try and make sense of the past. Now you have these patterns, these institutions, and eventually it just becomes too much to remember. And, and you sort of, you change it and pretend it hasn't changed, and eventually, after 10,000 years, that's, that's as much as we can cope with. So What's... the next disaster comes along, we just crap, and we'll start again. Who was the psychologist? Who oh, we went were to say that. we went to watch his lecture, and he came up with this theory of how many yes. faces you can keep to a name. It's Robin something. Doctor oh, yeah. Robin. Do you know it, Chris? I, I don't know the name, no, no. But that's very much what I'm arguing. Yes, 
there is yeah there is a yeah there is sorry there is a, a psychological um theory for it basically he's, he's an evolutionary psychologist and i think it's is it like 120 125 something like that it varies and it's stratified isn't it there mm. there are certain rings so you can have yeah. a, a, a you have a, a main ring which yes. will be like your immediate familial connections and then like a couple of outer rings mm. and you, you only have room for so many so if you make yeah. some new friends you're gonna lose a couple <laughs> you're yeah. gonna lose some some brain room yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's the base of these 10,000-year cycles. I think the averages, their just experience tells us, and because that, that fits in so neatly with the 25,000-year star cycle, it's just the natural way to measure it. Something I wanted yeah. to ask you, sort of just on a tangent, while you were talking about the human, how, how we seem to be, our life cycle is determined by our environment. What do you, And you just made me think, because I know, you know you've done a lot of Old Testament sort of reading due to your background and that. What do you make of like the age of the patriarchs and why you know, Methuselah and Isaac and what, how they live so long? What's going on there? Well, then that's a great example of what I mean. Before to, the two and a half thousand year cycle, we can kind of, the religion as we have it today is pretty much the same as it's been for the last two and a half thousand years. It was 500 BC, the axial period. It was when everything changed in the world. And that's when they wrote the Bible. And so we kind of understand this way of doing it with kings and with, with rules and the Bible being an instruction book. Before that, it wasn't. Now, the, the, yes, Methuselah and so on, they come from the previous period. In fact, they're the previous period before that. You got, you got two, our two and a half thousand years when you've got a written Bible that's our instruction book. You've got two and a half thousand years before that, back to 3000 BC when you had writing. And then before that, you've got oral history. And that's when we just, it's just more than we can cope with. Right. Now, if you, if you look at Genesis 5, where these numbers were, every single name is a description. I mean, it, the way I first realized this was if this was genuine, they could not have written it down word for word because the writing didn't exist. And there's so many patterns. It's the same pattern every time. It says, so-and-so had to live so-and-so many years and had sons and daughters, and then lived so many years and died. Then his son lived for so many years, had sons and daughters, and so many years he died. I thought, they're not writing this down. That's how we write it now. To be written down, that would have been written as name, number, name, number, name, number, and the rest of it. That's a memory aid. It had to be that way. And these aren't names. They're actually descriptions. Now, Adam, this means the people of the soil, the red soil. Methuselah means the people of the spear. Um, Noah means the people of rest. They're descriptions. And if you look at the history of ancient Sumer, the dates match up. The periods are talking about, they're describing the history of Sumer. And it's, it's every single date matches up perfectly. I've got an appendix in the book that goes into this. Like, so it, wow. it matches up with like the the evolution of Sumerian civilization from yes. hunter gatherers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah, wild. 4000 BC. Uh, is, is the critical time because that's when the Ubaid culture became the Sumerian culture. The Ubaid culture was a nice place to live. They had, they had like multi-story houses. I mean, not like ten stories, but I mean, yeah, they had, they had different floors, decent houses. They had lovely art. They had trade, nice place to live, very very flat structure. They had got kings, but your king the difference between the king and, and the commoner wasn't very much. And it, it was really nice. Then a crisis hit because of the um, it was, uh, climate change. I can't remember this one. Again, these cycles, these cycles, they all combine. You go the 8,000-year cycle, the 5,000-year cycle. I'd love to go into this. There's so many things I'd love to go into. But yeah, one of these crises hit 4,000 BC, and that's when the king said, right, this is our opportunity. 
And that's when they took extra power. And that's when they invented cities. They said, right, we are now on top. They started building these great big towers, literally towers, you know, and they, the king will be at the top and say, right, I represent the gods. I speak to the gods. You obey me. You know, and this carried on. And then they invented writing and that enabled the system to expand massively. Because once you've got writing, you can send instructions hundreds and hundreds of miles. And you can act like you seem like you're a god because you have all this knowledge, so it seems. And it involves the invention of property as well. You know, you need to be able yes, to write yes, down exactly. and record who owns what, i.e. the yes. king owns everything and you don't. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that is why they invented writing. 3000 BC, yeah. the temples became so wealthy. They, If you look at the, the different kinds of writing, they had this thing where they, they put a clay ball, I forget what they call them now, and they just put a little, a little object to represent everything that they owned and stick it inside this clay ball. And that worked for a while, but they found cuneiform worked better. So it's various. And the problem was they had too much money. They got so wealthy about 3000 BC, they had to find a way to list everything that was coming into the temple. Because the temple was getting all this gold and silver, and they had to keep track of it. And that's how they invented writing. And then, so high yeah. priest and king is probably pretty much synonymous in this period? Yes, yes, yeah. I mean, eventually they had to separate them because it became really obvious that kings made mistakes. You know, ah. you need plausible deniability. You've got to blame the high priest, and the high priest has to blame the king. It works together. So it's like, not my fault, governor. So I seem to have failed. I haven't really failed. That's the other guy. Wow. Um, but yeah, the dates do match up, though. I mean, 3000 BC is a critical time. That's when you've writing, and that's when they have um, um, Enoch. Enoch is about the, the guy who, who knew things, uh, who knew writing. He was able to write things down and remember things. And uh, all these that ages, I used to wonder in the Bible, why is it all these people live for 900 years? Look closely, it's not that they live 900 years, it's that everything points to 3000 BC and everything changed around 3000 BC. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's, it's all in my book. Because we're looking back, the way we think of it, we're thinking of these people being literal individual people with sort of four, two arms and two legs. And we find it difficult to think of them as, as periods of time, as, as cultures, because the way of thinking has changed every couple of thousand years. Um, it's just our, our way of seeing religion changes. I mean, recently religion changed as well. This idea of religion being about belief—that's a modern idea. You know, we didn't use religion just about culture. You know, the ancient Jews didn't matter what you believed. Moses never asked you to believe anything. He just wants you to perform certain sacrifices to prove that you to show that you were part of the tree and you were working on the same on the same page. You know, totally different ideas of religion, different ideas of history. You know, we can only hold so much in our heads, and that's the problem. You, you, the Genesis chapter 5 is before 3000 BC. This is two entire two and a half thousand year cycles ago. You know, we can kind of make sense of what happened two and a half thousand, from 3000 BC to 500 BC. That's like Genesis, Exodus, and so on. But before that, we really have trouble. We have come up with stupid ideas, you know, that Methuselah was an actual individual person who lived 969 years. Oh, oops, well, my alarm's going off telling me to water the plants. It <laughs> happened last time. Didn't it? Yeah, it did, yeah. <laughs> Uh, something else you mentioned in your email um, was about our DNA. Something about the story of Atlantis maybe being written in our DNA. What was oh yeah, no, no, well that's what I was just saying about the cycles. Um, the, the reason we have this twenty-five year cycle is because our DNA says you know you're going to have kids. It's like well, you, you hit a certain age, like sort of thirteen to fourteen, fifteen, as a as a sort of typical male, it's a heterosexual male anyway. And suddenly women become really, really interesting to you. You know, and naked women become even more interesting. And if you have this sort of drive, this sort of, I must get a woman, must be naked, must do anything for this. That's our DNA. It's forcing the cycle. And it's because of the cycle, then we have conflict. And then we have want to expand and spread and want to own things. And all this human stuff, it's all written in our DNA. And that's why we expand. And simply our DNA tell, makes our brain a certain size so we can have our 125 friends. 
you know, give or take. And that's why we can remember history now. We're pretty good at history for 500 years. So, so over two and a half thousand years, barely manage it for 5,000 years. And after that, we're really excited to geese us. After 10,000 years, forget it, you know. And the slightest breath of wind is going to knock over our entire civilization because we, we just don't know what we're doing after a while. You found it, Matt. It's Dunbar's number. Dunbar's number, yeah. yeah. 150, it says. Robin yeah. Dunbar. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, that's what my argument is. And that's why you'll find um, Atlantis all over the world. Even if you didn't have any writing, no history, you can reconstruct it because you know that we want to spread out because of our DNA. You know that we want to defend ourselves. You know, because we live in a two-dimensional surface on the planet, we're going to have circles to defend ourselves because it's the most efficient way. It's the smallest area to defend. So you're going to tend to get... um, or harbours and circles, which are like the bases of Atlantis. And the ideal harbour was the circles within circles within circles. I mean, for example, I used to live in, near some hill forts in England. Uh, I don't know why it was, no. It, it, I was born in Rugeley, Staffordshire. Uh, there's various hill forts anyway. The point is, it's, an old, it's just natural. You'd have concentric circles. It, it wasn't that they were copying somebody else. This is just the natural way of the way people live. You know, and then you get proud and, 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 and rich and, and cocky and you overextend yourself and then something happens and you all collapse. You know, that, that is the story of Atlantis. Now, we get specific stories of Atlantis, the one that Plato told. And, I mean, I like to, you know, to trace it, the Phoenicians, I like to trace it from, from uh, Carthage back to uh, Tyre, back to Sidon, back to um, Tunisia, back to um, the... The Rickard structure, but it was happening everywhere. It will always happen because of our DNA. Because our DNA means we, we want to have kids, we want to have friends, we want to make these networks, we want to expand, we want to overextend ourselves. The cycle happened again and again and again in the end. And this is the beauty of, of mythology. Because once you get past sort of 5,000 years, it's not practical to remember every detail. You can't remember every king and every battle and every this and every that. It's just ridiculous. But you can remember the cycles. And you can remember particular ones that were really interesting. So the Ur text example. And the Ur text of an Atlantis situation was 9000 BC, you know, when they invaded Egypt and got driven back. You know, and the, the Ur text of, of Atlantis, you know, it is that particular Atlantis. But there are many Atlantises. So that's why I say I'm very happy if the Azores has a circular harbour, and if they um, invaded somewhere and they got pushed back, and you know they collapsed because of some natural disaster. Yeah, I can very much believe that happens. It's written in our DNA. It's written in the soil. It's written in the environment. It's the patterns the ancient people noticed. And we forget these patterns because we can't see past 5,000 years. You know, we only understand writing on paper. They understood writing in the stars. They understood writing inside you. They understood the writing in the ground, you know, the, the evidence on the ground, the archaeology. What, what, what was the, what, what's the earth text? Does that, does that derive from Mesopotamia or of the oh, Chaldees? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the phrase means the original text. Like Ur of the, Ch- of the Chaldees, where Abraham came from. It's like the, the, the original ancient one. I discovered the original city where all life came from. Yeah, so, so when we talk about Atlantis, we generally mean the one that Plato just spoke about. But like I say, I'm perfectly happy to, to, to talk about other Atlantides, Atlant- Atlantides, the, the floor of Atlantis, other daughters of Atlas. Because we all came out of Africa, we're all daughters of Atlas. You know, Britain is a daughter of Atlas, uh, ultimately. It's a few generations. I mean, the Iliad, for example, um, it's really just called the Iliad. It's like the Pleiades and the Hyades. It means it's female. It, and if you actually look at the, uh, Troy, I mentioned it's the great-grandson of um, Electra, who was the son, daughter of Atlas. So Troy is a kind of 
distant daughter of Atlas. We're all daughters of Atlas. We're all Atlantes. Wow. I mean, we have specific examples, but uh, these are patterns. We need to learn these patterns so that, because it's going to happen again. I mean, it's happening now, right? Yeah, we, the Western civilization in particular has become very, very powerful, overextended, conquered the whole world, become very lazy, very corrupt. And so it's, it'll only take a bit of climate change or something and we'll, something will happen and we won't be able to, to survive. We'll, we'll start killing each other and the Chinese will come in and say, ha, 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 it's our turn now. You know, we need to learn these patterns because it happens again and again and again. It's written in That's something we've come back to again and again is that our, our civilization is quite kind of on a knife edge because we're so, yeah. so uh, reliant on things like electric. I mean, it's like you say, just knock the power off for two weeks and see what's mm. left of our civilization. Nothing. Yeah, yeah that's right. We, we've made ourselves fragile because mm. we're so proud. Yeah. Whereas humble ones take a lot more care and don't overextend themselves or something happens or they can cope with it. Yeah. Oh, uh, I mentioned... Sorry, sorry. I was just going to say, Chris, because we're coming up to an hour already. I don't want you to feel like you've missed anything. You know, that you wanted, that was burning, that you wanted to get out there. So. I'm not uh, trying to rush you or anything. I'm just uh, aware of the time. I so much else I want to, I need to get done anyway. Yeah, I just wanted to mention... And don't forget to warn your plants either. <laughs> yes. That's <laughs> <laughs> I get hungry again. Uh, a few more examples of Atlantis. Okay, we mentioned uh, Herodotus briefly. Because um, he, he says what the Atlanteans are. He, he tells you exactly where they are in Tunisia in his day. Um, ancient maps of Atlantis, in my book I mentioned, the oldest maps we know, is like they're pointing to the Rickat structure. You know, the, the, way, the, the way that they, they're drawn and the Rickat structure, they describe it as, as being the chariot of the gods and they call it the African Hippodrome, which is just how Plato described it as having these um, a, a races, these massive races that all, all Africa would come to. And again, I, this is a natural thing for humans to do. We like to race. So I can quite believe if there's an Atlantis in the Azores, they also would have had races around there, assuming as above, you know, using whatever animals they had. You know, these are just natural patterns. Uh, Mass of Atlantis, Hesiod's Atlantis. Again, well, that's, that's the Titanomachy. Um, if you look at the story of the Titans versus the gods, the Titans were led by Atlas. Again, King Atlas. Um, the, the, the trigger was when they invaded Egypt, and then they got driven to the west. So it's the same story. Uh, Homer's Atlantis, yeah. Homer's Atlantis, the Odyssey. The Odyssey is all about getting home from Atlantis. Um, the, it begins, remember, Odysseus is in the island of um, oh, Calypso. The, Calypso is the daughter of Atlas. One of the later Greek versions even just calls her Atlantis, because Atlantis means daughter of Atlas. And uh, the ancient Greeks reckoned it was a light source it was in Go- a city of the island of Gozo, which is uh, between Tunisia and Sicily, and Sicily. So again, it's very, they knew it was very, very close to the, the, the Tunisia. I mean, my argument is that the particular Atlantis that Plato was talking about had to be in Tunisia. Um, but also, this was modelled on the, the natural harbours they had in back in the Ritap structure. And it then became the model for um, the other... Um, anyway, yes, Carthage. Carthage and Tyre and Sidon. You know, yeah. There are multiple multiple examples of this. They're the Phoenician cities of the Phoenicians, ancient world. Phoenicians, that's what I was looking for, yes. The, the, the seafarers. These yeah. patterns happen again and again. What about so, yes. um, what about Jason and the Argonauts? Does that tie in, that story? Very much so, yes. Yeah, because if you remember the Jason and the Argonauts, they are trying to get to Lake Tritonis, which was the great lake, because the, the prophecy was if they control Lake Tritonis, they basically control the world. And Lake right. Tritonis used to be a lot bigger. This was the lake or the sea of Atlas. Next to the recat structure. Yes. Yeah, well, it, it's at the top, but it, it leads down to 
down the Tamanasa, the great great river, which is if you join Africa and America together, uh, where South America has the Amazon, Africa has the Tamanasset. Um, basically, it's like the same same river. Obviously, you've got, you, there are millions of years and they've separated now. But uh, that's the easy way to remember where the Tamanasset goes. Right. The Tamanasset takes you from the Rickert structure up to the Atlas Mountains, up to um, the uh, Lake Tritonis, you know, the, the, the Sea of Atlas. And it's very important that Plato calls it the Sea of Atlas. He doesn't call it the ocean. The ocean is the general name for all salt water. But he specifically calls it the Sea of Atlas. And that's what the locals called the Lake Tritonis, which now is just like it's dried up after the year. It's a tiny little thing. But it used to be huge, yeah. And, you, and it'd lead you via the mighty Tamanrasset River down to the Richap structure, you know, and, and then out to wherever. Can I uh, ask you a question uh, quickly before it disappears? Ooh, off the chat, uh, David's just asking... Can we ask Chris for um, citations for the drifting pillars of Hercules, the drifting west? Yes. How would, how would, where would we find out that from? That is in Appendix, whatever it is, Appendix 4 of uh, Jack Kirby's History Decky. Jack Kirby's History of the Future. All there'll, be, the... there'll be a link in the show notes, David, and you can download it for free, a digital copy. So yes. yes. Not yourself out. The one about Atlantis, you know, yeah. The, the, the moving one—that's kind of kind of important. That's the one where I really make the argument for it being Tunisia. But and this podcast is—I want to make clear that I think that that had to be one because I used to think you talk about the Rickert structure, and uh, I've got a website about arguments to the Rickert structure. But when I wrote the book, I thought I just want to tie up some loose ends. I was reading a lot more of the older sources, and it was very obvious. Like, oh, so yeah, yeah, you're asking about Jason and the Argonauts, and I got distracted. Yeah, they had to go to uh, the. Uh, see, Lake Tritonis, because whoever owned Lake Tritonis, they controlled the world. And when they got there, they found it was covered with mud because it had dried up. It, it describes it exactly the same way Plato describes it. It's the same place. Yeah, the sea covered in mud and it made it impenetrable, didn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So they had, they had to carry their boat across across it in order yeah. to get to the, the remains of the lake. Interesting. Uh, oh, one other example of Atlantis, the, the big one that even the critics have to admit, there was a book called Atlantis before Plato by, you know, who wrote this now... Herky something. Hellanicus, that's right. We've only got one line from it exists now. It says, our Poseidon coupled with the Seleno and their son Lycus settled by blah, blah, blah. And basically, he's saying in, in, in the Hellanicus' story called Atlantis, daughter of Atlas, written a uh, hundred years before Plato. The only line we've got is just about how uh, Poseidon coupled with Seleno, um, which was one of the daughters of Atlas, and their son Lycus settled. Blah, 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 blah. But to the Isles of Blessed, yeah. It, it, what, what he's arguing in that one line is that Poseidon basically raped um, Athens because Kaleno was the um, the uh, daughter of Atlas who lived in Athens. So he raped them, and their son then had to go west. Now that's all the Greeks knew about it until Solon, when they found why what what was this rape? Why did the son go west? And the Egyptians had the whole story. So you don't know that half of it. You don't know this story. This is amazing. <laughs> and that line also is is quoted by Apollodorus as well. It's not just uh, Hellanicus. But anyway, the point is, there is a book called Atlantis existed before Plato. I mean, how they can say it didn't exist. And they say it doesn't exist because they the scholars try to claim that King Atlantis, King Atlas, and the Titan Atlas were different people, whereas all the sources say they were the same person. The right. Berbers say they were the same uh, Oh, I go on. I got some examples here. There's a lot of evidence anyway. They are say, yeah. So Plato described it as an epic poem. Anyway, so I need another hour to go into this. But they're the same person. Yeah. And you know, just just to, to summarize, the the, the 
Plato, 330 BC. Hellenicus, 400 BC, his book about Atlas. Herodotus, the 400s BC, about where Atlantis was. The ancient maps of Atlantis, they were from what recent, like uh, the one by uh, Mercator, but he was using very, very ancient sources, and they're the ones that really emphasize the Ritap structure. Uh, that's all about this in my book. Mm-hmm. Homer's Atlantis, 1000 BC, but the Odyssey is about getting home from Atlantis. Uh, the Egyptian Atlantis, 1300 BC and, and before, which is basically the same story. Um, archaeology confirms it. Uh, it's written in the sky. Yeah, if I had more time, I'd go, it's fascinating. All the stars tell the story. The dates, the places, everything's in the stars. It's just amazing. I've got, and, a, uh, I've got a couple more. Sorry. Go on, Chris. No, that's it. That, that, that's all I want to cover. Those are the, the, pre, the main sources before uh, Plato. It seems that a lot of these civilizational foundation myths incorporate this story. I wondered if you'd done any work on Virgil's Aeneid and the found Roman foundation story and whether there is any correlates there. I, I haven't done it yet, no, no, because that's written after Plato. So I'm like, okay, yeah. you could argue that he's too influenced by him. And I just wanted to stick this up before Plato so we can get Plato out of the way. The entire story of that, you put, if, if you put in the Titanomachy, combine the Titanomachy, basically everything about Atlas or everything about Egypt getting invaded from the West and, and saved by, from people from uh, the Athenians. It's all the same story. Put it together, you, you've got Plato's story. Right. Yeah, was after that. There's so much to learn. That's the thing. I mean, and I haven't said that. If I, if I had more time, I'd go into it. And I could bet next week I'd be like, wow, wow, I never knew this. I wish I'd said that. There's so much out there. And it drives me crazy that the scholars won't even admit the connection. They won't even admit that King Atlas was the Titan Atlas. Because if they admit that, they have to admit that their whole purpose for existing is called the whole way of re- the whole reason for having universities is to make people work and the reason that they there was a time before 10,000 BC when we didn't have to work certainly not like we work now <laughs> and they can't admit that is that a modern thing or it, uh, well it did Plato's when Plato set up his famous academy was this did they have you know a different philosophy then do you think is this a modern thing over the last 200 you know 100 years about oh, universities the, universities Universities as you have them now are only a couple of hundred years old. Uh, I write about this in my book about the invention of the, of the Stone Age. It was always known as the Golden Age until we had the dark satanic mills and life got pretty awful for most people in Europe. And then they were going around conquering everybody. And there's the, the famous case of the a mutiny on the bounty. The, the, the sailors got to Tahiti and there's all these naked women who were just happy <laughs> and relaxed and having a lovely life. And they thought, we're the advanced ones. <laughs> So, yeah, and so uh, it was after that that, that the, the, the greatest scholars in the world at the time were in, in Paris, and they had a competition and said, you've got to come up with, a, with an explanation of why we're better than these people. Please, somebody do it. And so they basically invented the idea that say, <coughs> yeah, people were really primitive. They only look happy. Okay, that they, they, they just eat fish and, and play in the sand all day and, and have sex and so on. But they're not really happy, not like us, not like you workers, you, you, you slaves who... After working on board ships and press gangs and a horrible, horrible life for the average person in Europe. And they had to persuade them somehow that life was even worse back in the past. And that's why they invented the, the Stone Age. One more question, Chris, and this is a bit off topic, but are you familiar with nubs? Nubs? Yeah, Good on word. ancient structures, these sort of protrusions. Masonry nubs. Yeah. That sort of appear on oh, all sorts of lifting up things. So you, you lift. The idea is you hold hold a stone and lift it up by the nubs. Is that right? Maybe I think that's the sort of mainstream explanation. 
Mm. Yeah, again, I, mean, I don't know that. That's all I've no, heard. that's all right. That's what uh, one of our nub uh, experts, Ziggy the, Dan. The nub expert. Yes, the nub expert, Ziggy Dan, wanted your opinion. But oh, mm. it's something you should look into. They're interesting yeah. and somewhat... Uh, that, that sort of mainstream explanation doesn't seem to hold water with me. That the, yeah. Uh, yeah. They were for lifting purposes oh, no, only. I, I, don't, I don't know no stuff. This no, is the no. great thing about being an ex-Mormon. You realise how little you know. And, <laughs> but then you, 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 yeah, because I was so convinced I was right. And then you notice this same pattern everywhere. And you see, as scholars, they don't know any more than I do. Well, they know more in this narrow area, but it all falls apart because it's all based on a, a false foundation. For example, that you know, the, 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 we don't have any records from before 3000 BC. Well, actually, we've got tons of them. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing how little we know. That's why I love Jack Kirby. You know, he's very much... So the only people... Anybody who thinks he's got the answers, they're the one person you know who definitely hasn't. <laughs> yeah, that's why I love your kind of show. It's like, most of us are probably wrong, but heavens... You know, we're professional wrong. We're humans. Humans are sort of wrong by design. <laughs> we're bumbling through. So yeah, I don't know stuff. I don't. I'm just amazed how little I know, and it annoys me when people stand up and say, "I know stuff." I think, well, you don't actually. You know, you, you have to scratch the surface to find out they're wrong. Yeah, like, a good like, starting point is to realize that you know nothing and work yes. from there. Socrates, he it, was right. You have to sort of catch yourself, though, because you, you, I, I do it as well, and you sometimes uh, assume to know things for certain, and I don't know what it is about our psyche that makes us want to do that. I don't know. Maybe it's, a, it's an ego thing, maybe. Oh, yeah. Well, um, yeah. Carl Jung would be able to explain it better than me. I think it's the brain. I think the brain is a very unusual <laughs> thing, and yeah. it has to come up with these crazy theories to def- defend itself and ex- Justify its existence, but yeah, that, that's very deep water. So I'm going mm. down there. <laughs> Is there anything you want to leave us with, or anything burning that you need to say before oh, we wrap up? Because we're doing wrap. We're uh, on an hour and ten now. Yeah, no, no. Yes, yeah, so Hernanicus, Herodotus, Hesiod, Homer. Lots of H's in there. Um, yeah, like all the, the H's. The H blocks in Peru. Yeah, exactly. All the H and, and, and particularly uh, this story of the heavenly cow. Mm. Uh, the destruction of mankind which I go over that in my book Taurus man heavenly mm. cow the leg of the bull yeah that's yeah. Uh, the Pleiades I think the leg of the bull you remember from Ryan 7 it's yeah. gone through all Ryan, that I guess, uh, Jack Kirby Ryan was his number one hero mm. and you got uh, Robert Bouval and the position of the, of the uh, pyramids Orion's belt it's all the same story oh it's a quick one another one from David David Stig Hansen, uh, since he turns comments off, how can we interact with Chris? Oh, something about comments on YouTube and how can people get hold of you? Oh, well, that's a problem, you see. I, I'm mildly autistic. I, I'm not sociable. I stress about stuff. Uh, I, I, I don't apologise, but I, I spend hours. If somebody messages me, I'll spend that all day trying to think of an answer and researching it and getting tied up. And yeah. I do have a full-time job. And I've been working on this computer game for the last 25 years. I've got to get it done. I've got to just stop doing this stuff. I only came on this podcast because I realised there's not much point in publishing a book if no one ever reads it. I mean, I'm not looking for thousands of readers. I want that book, a few people to read it, so that if the stuff happens, as I think it will, in 30 years' time, they can look back and say, oh, yeah, Jack Kirby said so. 
And if he doesn't want to be dead by then, so who cares? Yeah. No, but, that's but, fair yeah. enough. I mean, you're not obliged to answer mm. everyone's queries. You know, it's oh, I, I, I'd love the way to. it is, isn't it? It's up to you. Yeah, but... I, I cannot write a sentence without it taking me literally hours, and that's my whole day gone. Yeah. And that might be the only day of the week I have time. So I do apologise. Uh, yeah, contact I me. I understand completely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, no. I'm not I've got the binder. My email address is easy to find up. You wouldn't be take hard. I'm on Facebook and so on, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not a sociable person. I need to just get. What I love best is just rocking out the world, focusing on something, exploring it further and further and further and further. I love that. Cool. But, mm-hmm. Well, people. Sorry. Well, we'll wrap up, hey Chris. That's yeah. all right with you. Yeah, thank you very much again for inviting me. I do. No problem. I'm grateful. Love it, and we'd love to yeah. talk to you again. You know, yeah. I love all the Old Testament stuff, and you know. Oh yeah, this is. It's so frustrating people that you reject the whole thing. I mean, obviously it's not in the instruction book. It was never intended as an instruction book. It's a collection of books, some of which are crap. You know, <laughs> but some of which record some pretty darn interesting stuff. Yeah. But, Good. yeah. Good. Excellent. Right. Well, thanks, Chris. We'll uh, yeah. we'll sign off for part one. Yeah. Don't forget to check out the links in the show notes. It's all there, mm. and you don't even have to buy the book. But, obviously, yeah. if, like me, you're worried about the impending end of civilization, mm. you, might, you might want to grab a hard copy. That's all yeah. I'm going to say. Yes. Definitely. And, and I will have a, an updated version in 2026, a sort of I told you so version. And I will... <laughs> nice. <laughs> right, okay. Thanks, uh, thanks, Chris. We'll be uh, back in for part two shortly. Yes, stay on the line. Cheers, yep. Chris. Cheers. Thank you. A little bit. Bye. Right, then we're back. The dwarf, the cripple, and the mother of madness. That was our second chat with Chris Tolworthy. For reals. Author of? Something uh, about Jack Kirby. Jack Kirby's History of the Future. Hmm. 2026 to 3045 AD. Yeah. Free download in the show notes. Yeah, link in the show notes. To... Yeah, the, the PDF it is, mm. or a word file or something, or uh, buy a physical copy. Yes. And is there an appendix in there about Atlantis? There's a, yeah, there's, uh, I think, seven appren- uh, apprentices, appendices, sure. one on Atlantis, one on the Book of Enoch. Mm. Loads of interesting stuff. Uh, it's something I'll go back to in my researches. I'm oh. sure I will use those appendices Mm-hmm. in the future the interesting stuff excellent yeah right Good. okay what should we do should we do some headlines headlines of the week <laughs> we'll see what I've got show me what you got show me what you got an assortment of rainbow dildos not that capital letters a big news story Headlines of the week. God. Broccoli and raspberries could give you COVID. Health experts uh, warn after learning that the virus can live on popular foods for as long as a week. A week? A week. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I think maybe the most dangerous thing you can do currently is uh, watch Ancient Apocalypse while eating raspberries. Yeah. <laughs> It's about as dangerous wow. as it gets if you read The Guardian and the Mail. That one's from the Mail, the broccoli one. Is it? Right, okay. It's from the Mail, yeah. Uh, broccoli <coughs> broccoli right. and raspberries could give you COVID, the Food Standards, Standards Agency has warned. Health experts revealed the virus that causes COVID-19 can live on some ready-to-eat groceries for days. The tests were carried out for the FSA in a laboratory and found 
Coronavirus lived longer on foods with, with uneven surfaces. Oh. <laughs> Such so, as broccoli and raspberries. Oh, right. Okay. What about pineapples? Is that more smooth than a uh, raspberry? I don't know. What well, about, this... um, what about adequately cleaned bananas? <laughs> they are smooth, Ben, though, aren't they? They are, but could they be, <laughs> could oh. they be smoother? Oh. They could be Boo cl- zero! They could be cleaner. They could be cleaner, always. Well, the the food with uneven surfaces, uh, this was in comparison to smooth skin products such as apples. But the scientists have advised the risk to consumers remains very low. I just saw daft in it. Who's still reading about this? Don't know. I mean, where's this come from? mm -hmm. I mean, I I was watching the news. Oh, no. What's up? What have you done? Stars fallen off my microphone. Oh, never mind. Carry on. You um, were reading the news. I was reading. I was watching the news. Sorry, and um, they didn't mention COVID when they were talking about. Um, it's, they just said various winter viruses. Oh right. So uh, it, there's obviously been a change, isn't there, in perhaps how they, they communicate now around certain messages. I imagine. I just found that quite interesting. That's all. No mention of it whatsoever. No, I think we're bored of it, aren't we? Yeah. I certainly am. <laughs> well, no, yeah, yeah. But the Daily Mail isn't. No, evidently, it was in the BBC as well today. But I picked it up yesterday in the Mail. Mm. Whatever. Just, uh, I don't think anyone is taking any notice of it anymore. Mm. No. These uh, news stories. But we'll, we shall see. Winter is coming, mm. as the Starks would say. Switzerland is considering driving bans on e-cards. Electric cars. Okay. Are you retarded? <laughs> no. Switzerland could be the first country to impose driving bans on electric cars in an emergency to ensure energy security. Several media... This is from De Spiegel, so it's a Google Translate thing. Uh, several media report this unanimously and refer to a draft regulation on restrictions and bans on the use of electrical energy. Specifically, the paper says, quote... The private use of electric cars is only permitted for absolutely necessary journeys, e.g. professional practice, shopping, visiting the doctor, attending religious events, attending court appointments. A stricter speed limit is also planned for highways. Yeah, I remember when uh, climate lockdowns were one of those conspiracy theories that might not happen. But uh, they're preparing for it. They're going to ban e-cars, electric cars. But over a climate lockdown. Switzerland is considering driving bans on electric cars. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Because yeah, it because lockdown. of the energy that it takes to charge them, I mean. Mm. Right. Okay. Drive yeah. your diesel there, right? As long as you can get diesel, I suppose. Mm. As long as you can get diesel, then you're free, aren't you, I suppose? There was something about Oxford. Oxford County Council put in um some sort of system in where they would Shut roads. They're, they're limit, trialing it, aren't they? I, I limit your travel. Mm. Uh, I saw, f- um, I think it was Nick posted a story in the Discord, um, but I couldn't verify it. Like the article didn't have any links providing, you know, citations for where they were getting the information from. And I wasn't going to watch like a, an online. Oxford County Council town hall meeting that was a six hour stream. <laughs> try and find the relevant information so who knows but it's like these ULES zones isn't it 
Mm-hmm. They're popping up everywhere now. Bristol's the latest one. Um, all major cities will have them. It's money for nothing, though, isn't it? The council. Yeah, and just restrict your freedom mm-hmm. as well. You know, can't drive here mm-hmm. for certain days or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, I don't like the direction of travel, but never mind. We'll uh, we'll, we'll just have to move to the country and have communes, hippie communes. I mean, I, can I, Chris be our leader? <laughs> he can be our uh, theologist, scientist, historian, a historian, and uh, author. All right, yeah, cool. All of those things. What else have we got? Oh, this is a good one. Couple claim ragdoll is possessed after CCTV shows it breaking out of its display. We need to need we need to know more. Oh. A husband and wife team of paranormal investigators claim... Oh. Fake news. Claim the Annabelle raggedy doll... She's here, though. ...is possessed. Well, we have a doll. What have we, you been up to, Annabelle? We have a housekeeper called Annabelle who lives mm. in the studio. Mm. Their claim comes after CCTV footage showed it moving out of its display cabinet. And I have the footage. You will not believe this. Watch. Here it comes. Sorry, pods, podcast landers. Here we are in the red circle. There's Annabelle in her glass, behind her glass. <coughs> Watch her come to life. <laughs> you can see the fishing line. <coughs> He's still there, Ben. He's just on oh, me. you're muted. I can't yeah, see. Yeah, sorry, oh, sorry, I just cough, sorry. cough my guts up periodically. That's right. Why is there, um, why is there a pentagram on the floor? I was, just, I was just about to say that as well. Well, that's because of the location. Uh, Lee and Lindsay Steer, 37 and 52, who run the Museum of Haunted Objects from their oh, home okay. in Rotherham, South Yorkshire, said they caught the doll on CCTV, also flipping over their Ouija board table in the past. Oh. So the, the doll is housed in their museum. Yeah. Uh, that would explain the pentagram. And, you know, this the creation of this video is in no way um, in order to get more people to come around their creepy house. They believe the doll is the cause of them nearly being in a car crash and having mysterious illnesses. Well, if you're going to watch the video stream while you're driving along, <laughs> you find yourself in trouble. It once led to Lindsay being in hospital for a week, with doctors having no idea what caused it. In the museum, Lindsay has also felt something grab her neck tightly. <laughs> what the farage do you think that might be Lee <laughs> <laughs> not from the big conspire no uh, Lee, Lee from the museum of haunted objects <laughs> Yeah, I think we need to get him on the podcast yeah maybe yeah mm. uh, the doll is an identical copy of a notoriously evil rag doll in the US that inspired the conjuring and Annabelle horror films and they think that theirs could have the spirit of the original. I've got a picture of it here. So, yeah. wow. I think that's the original. Got nothing on on, Anna, on the Amish Annabelle, has it? No porcelain there, is there? No. I mean, where's the quality? It's got brooch, no brooch. Well, the original Annabelle, which gained notoriety in the 1970s, is now kept in a museum for the occult, as it is claimed that it started to attack people. A bit of Chucky going on there as well. 
Right. When Lindsay and Lee's doll first arrived at the Museum of Haunted Objects, Lindsay and one of her close friends got a mysterious illness and narrowly avoided two car crashes. On the two-year anniversary of the couple owning the doll, October the 24th, 2021, they think the doll struck again. The heavy Ouija table was hurled over, which was caught on CCTV, Lee explained. Annabelle was sitting on a car at a Ouija table. It's very solid and it's got a metal leg holding it up, so there's no way it could have just fell over or collapsed. <clears throat> One lady put a little speaker on the table, walked away, and next minute the table just collapsed. There's no logical explanation as to why that should have happened, and it was just the way Annabelle was standing straight at it. After this, they decided to put Annabelle in a glass cupboard on a secure hook to avoid anything dangerous happening again. But on Halloween night, 2022, at around 3am, the CCTV showed Annabelle stepping out of the display cabinet legs first. Is that how you would characterise? No, I mean, it looks like someone's attached some fishing line to a doll and pulled it out of a cabinet, to be honest with you. There we go. <laughs> it's collapsed in a heap on the floor. Yeah. Um, yeah. Since Annabelle stepped out of the cupboard, the museum is getting more and more dangerous and things are getting physical. We're used to dealing with this kind of thing. However, it's getting more and more intense. It's building up energy big time. Let's get physical. When I was filming a reel the other day, something literally grabbed the back of my neck out of nowhere and squeezed it quite tightly. It wasn't painful, but I didn't want to be in that room, and it made me think, so something major's going to happen, but she's not scaring us. There's a theory that if you're scared and the spirit can feel it, it can be worse for you. So the couple are keeping Annabelle in the museum for now, but say if things start getting violent, they will consider getting help from a demonologist. Oh, we know one of those, don't we? The sperm collector. Yeah, what was his name? Oh, fuck. Oh, why are you asking me now? Well, you asked me d about Robin. Not Damien. Yeah, it might have been Damien. Was it? Damien the demon sperm. Oh, I can't remember what episode it was, but man. No, it's in the back. Yeah, if you just like Google the Amish Inquisition demon sperm. It'll probably come up. It would come up, yeah. Oh, no. Well, yeah. That was, wasn't that the one that got us took, took down off YouTube? Oh, yeah, no, go, it's going to happen again. Yeah. yeah. You won't find it on YouTube. You'll have to look on Spotify or something. Mm -hmm. That was one of the ones that the censor struck down that, mm -hmm. <laughs> that episode. We were sailing too close to the sun. Yeah. The wasn't that Pierre Hat guy a demi demonologist as well? No, I don't think so. Is he not? All right, okay. No? Part time, maybe. Does anyone want to adopt a dog? Why? What's he done? Okay. What's he done it's, now? Um, about three year old French Mastiff Cross. Answers to the name of Zeus. What's he eating this, this free, week? Free to a good home. <laughs> two, in, oh, in two infractions yesterday. Yesterday? Mm. Oh, is it when you went out? Well,. The first is in the morning. So I was on a work's do, the missus' work's do last night. Mm. And uh, so she had the addresses in the morning, nine o'clock. So I got up and left the house at eight for his morning walk so I could be back before she had to leave to get to her addresses at nine. She went to her addresses and Saturday morning I'd take the boys to Aldi and we do the weekly shop. 
So the missus was at the hairdressers. Me and the boys went to Aldi. We came home. I've got two bags of fucking big bags of shopping. Opened the door. And uh, he runs under the dining room table. Oh, no. And I look down the hallway. (laughs) (laughs) And in the kitchen, he's opened the cupboard, dragged the kitchen bin out, (laughs) emptied its contents, and then strewn them throughout the ground floor. (laughs) Just had a party. Oh, with no. garbage, garbage <laughs> party, you might say. Was it filthy garbage that he dragged around the house? Oh, that was like a carton that had raw chicken in it. Oh, all sorts. No. Obviously, he's licked everything clean. Yeah. That may have some sort of... Salmonella in. Or, you know, just a smell. Anything yeah. that smells foody. Mm. Yes, I shall clean it <laughs> for calories. <laughs> So I was rather annoyed. I shouted at him. Oh, what did he? What did he do when he shouted? Shouted him. Are you retarded? Hid <laughs> <laughs> under the dining room table. That was infringement number one. Mm. So last night we had the work to do. We had to uh, get there for half six because it was a turkey dinner. Yeah, just Christmas do for her work. Mm-hmm. And uh, the boys were staying over at Nana's. A fortnight live event. Last night, very excited about that new season. Do they get they watch a video for that, don't they? Is that right? You play it. Oh, you, you play, play it. live, man. Right, okay, yeah, live event. Right. So they were off at Nana's. We went to the uh, do. Left about quarter past six. Taxi was at midnight, so we got home about ten past quarter past midnight, and uh, opened the front door. Me and the missus were quite drunk. And I looked down the hallway again into the kitchen. And you won't believe this. The freezer door was open. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) And I went into the living room. Oh, no. And direct from the freezer, (laughs) he helped himself to one packet of sausages, (laughs) 12 pork chipolatas, Frozen. <laughs> One bag of onion rings. <laughs> and two, count them, two bags of oven chips. <laughs> uh, <fuck>. Gone. <laughs> did he, how long was the, uh, was, did things defrost in the... Uh... I just shut the freezer. <laughs> dealing with this. <laughs> no, it'll be fine. be fine. So... Your freezer, does it not have drawers? Yes. So So he's done the door and the drawers. There's two big drawers. There's a bottom drawer, then a top drawer. Mm. uh, Sorry, a bottom drawer, a middle drawer, and then the top drawer doesn't have a front. It's a pull-out thing. Right, okay. So there was no drawer Ah, front. That would have have scuppered him, wouldn't it? Maybe. (laughs) Or maybe he would have opened the fucking drawers. I don't know. (laughs) Seems more than capable. Of opening cupboards and drawers. So, and it, are we talking like a kilogram of frozen chips, do we think? I don't know. How big are they? <laughs> kilo bags? They're probably quite are, heavy, aren't they? Aren't they? Yeah, like on, sometimes they're 1.5. Yeah, so you probably have three kilos of frozen <laughs> chips. Of <laughs> potato. Yeah, a kilo of onion rings and uh, and um, half a pound of sausages. <laughs> frozen sausages, raw. Has he been, has he been for a shit today? <laughs> He's just been fine. <laughs> He's been fighting the house out. 
<laughs> I'm getting sort of concerned. <laughs> Is he not pooed yet? Yeah, he's pooed. Oh, yeah. Right, okay. So luckily, um, he's not blocked up because I imagine yeah. the stuff will just <laughs> thaw in his belly, <laughs> and then he'll digest it. <laughs> she was when he be, in the house before, and the missus is sat on the couch with him led across her, and she's just rubbing his belly to make him fart. <laughs> I get the fart, the winds out of him. Because oh. can you feel his tummy? And I thought it was hard. It was like didn't mm. feel right. Mm. And uh, it's got fucking <laughs> five kilos of frozen food. In yeah, it. I wouldn't feel right either. <laughs> the other thing is uh, onions are toxic. Oh, for fuck's sake! To dogs, right? Okay. You have to give your feed your dogs onions. Right. Okay. Um, <laughs> what we didn't? He helped himself out the fucking freezer. The idiot. So you can you. Can you is there no way you can just put, put a gate on the kitchen or something? Do you think he would batter it down? Like, it's it's voluntary. We have a gate on the kitchen. Mm. And when someone comes to the door, he goes in the kitchen and I shut the gate. Right. But it's completely voluntary. He can either bust through it or jump over it. Ah, right, okay. It's just that he doesn't because mm-hmm. he's, he thinks he's being a good boy. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like... That's a complete fucking turd when we leave the house. When we're there, oh, I'll sit behind this gate. That's the thing, he's, he's such a nice dog. He's a lovely dog, but just fucking stomach, man. Eats you out of house and home every time you leave. Oh, he had the boy's lunch bag as well. Did he? Yeah. I don't know how many lunch boxes he's eaten now. Fucking hell. You see, he must get. So he must be able. Obviously, he can get up on the counter and counter surf. Oh, of course! I catch him doing that red-handed. Mm. Yeah, that's not a problem. Is he just starving all the time? It's, no, I don't. I don't know if it's boredom or what. Mm. Sometimes you do it. You know, the you read that it might be comfort eating. You feel sad because you're out. See, I suggested to Mrs. Maybe we need to get a little friend. That's what I was going to suggest. You know, you yeah. get a little tiny friend for gerbil. Him. <laughs> they come back and they'll fucking eat it. <laughs> I don't know if they're any better behaved with two. It's like my wife's family always had two dogs. Mm. Um, but they never really did that. And like uh, Ruby, <coughs> she was uh, an Alsatian. Um, and when we left her, she didn't eat stuff she did run around the house and cry before we started putting it like locking her in the kitchen yeah. kind of thing and she, and if we didn't do that then she would go to sleep on our bed basically oh gosh so we find her on our bed after having run around the entire house crying for like an hour apparently yeah. was very distressed when we left yeah i don't know what we're gonna do I mean, it's like, what do I do? Do I just not use that drawer in the freezer anymore? <laughs> I don't know. It's the other thing to get a child lock. You can get child locks for cupboards, can't you? Yeah. And try that. For the freezer? Yeah. I don't know if they can. I don't know. I presume there must be something. You can get padlocks for freezers. <laughs> fucking what a pain in the dick. I have to and fucking unpadlock yeah. my freezer every time I'm making tea. Yeah. That's basically the, the life that you're living. <laughs> or maybe just when you're going out is something you have to do. Is that bad? No, I'm not doing that. Uh, I don't know. Answers on a postcard. Have you got any dog lock? Dog lock, he says. Dog lock. Right, maybe I should Google that, Matt. 
Talk about yeah. the freezer. Right. If anyone's listening who's had a similar problem with the dog eating stuff out of the freezer, if you can let me know how you cured it. Yeah, took the dog everywhere with him. All right, <laughs> <laughs> uh, should we do some housekeeping? Yeah. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. This is a value for value podcast. If you find this podcast valuable, please consider returning some value. Some myriad of ways of doing this. My favourite, as ever, is word of mouth. Mm. If you're in a Discord server, Facebook group, Telegram channel, um, share, share links about to the podcast. That helps yeah. us get the word out. Or even just with your mouth into people's ear holes. Ooh. That old-fashioned word of mouth, the aural mouth word of down the aural canal yeah yeah from your I, oral cavity into the aural canal mm. my one of my younger son's ear smells a bit like fish oh god is that banter no true story why's that i think he's got an infection in it it's just not burst yet properly bill's dog will clear it out send him around <laughs> he would run he <laughs> yeah yeah. So last time they burst properly, well, the other side burst. It smelled a bit fishy, like the first, the initial, um, what's it called? Pus. Sebum. Yeah. Came out and it stank. It smelled like fish. Yeah, it's grim. Oh, God. David's bite says, is aural sex a thing? Isn't it that thing? I've seen these videos of these women who they talk into this funny shaped microphone. It's like a binaural type thing. It's got like. It's like... Um, is that banter? It's not banter, no. It's a real thing. There's women make fortune on it. I don't know. Is it like an OnlyFans AS- thing? ASMR. Oh, ASMR. ASMR, you mean? What's it stand for? I don't know. Aural sex. <laughs> no, ASMR... Media revolution. It's like that thing where they like... W- there we go, look. They whisper at the same time. Right. And like, it's like, I'm just going to cut your hair now. <laughs> oh, 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 it's horrible. I'm just going to cut your hair. And I'm just gonna yeah, I'm just gonna stop it. <laughs> stop that. Look, there we go. Auto sensory meridian response. Oh, that's uh, yeah, from a true connoisseur. Yeah, flip smart. Thanks. Mm. Gosh, my wife listens to it. Right before she goes to sleep, she often she gets her hair done. She listens to it getting her hair done. No, while she goes to sleep. When she goes to sleep, <laughs> it's like a woman going. Really? And she's like, we're not... And she has scissors and they pretend they're going through like they're cutting your hair. She broken in the head or what? Yeah, she can't go to sleep yeah, <laughs> without listening to it. Wow. Oh, an echo? echo? Nah, I don't think so. <laughs> don't know. No, it shouldn't be an echo. Don't know. Oh, don't know. Getting it twice. I wonder why that is. I don't believe them. I don't believe them that there's an echo. I can't. Have not changed anything from part one. No. No. It's all good, I think. Um, producer. Producer. How do you become producer? Oh, right. Okay. Um, join the um, Discord and uh, post some information that we'd like to share on the podcast like news stories or guest suggestions or artwork 
Yeah, next week's guest is a, a guest suggestion, a recent one from the Discord, I think. Right, okay, good. Um, you could post oh. memes there as well, um, videos and um, things like that. You need to uh, timestamp if they're particularly long for us. Um, you could look in the army's loot chest and buy some something. Merch. Some merch. You'd like to see some uh, examples. Yeah. Here's one. And the, uh, some, it's a bacon nut t-shirt. If you're a Francis bacon nut. Yeah. Premium tea. That's 26 quid. Boom. Mm. £11 for a mug. <laughs> These prices aren't correct. You have to go check the, the link in the show notes. I don't know £20 for a mug. You can drink premium tea from it. Yeah. Three weeks to flatten the earth. The Armistice Inquisition. That's my favourite. I a, love that. That is a great t-shirt. It's good. Yeah. Um, and this is, you know, a sexy... This will make you look sexy as fuck. It's a, literally a communist uh, Armistice Inquisition hoodie. I don't um, think I that's have a one. price for, uh, for a hoodie these days. Because I'm literally a communist. I mean, I still wear mine. I think I've had it two years. Still going strong. <laughs> still holds up. Yeah, I've only washed it like once. Like, oh. Wow. Don't need, nice. You don't need to wash it. It's like self-cleaning. Just put it back in the cupboard for a month and then it smells fine. Yeah. Um, you can request some Focus Chi. This is a service that we offer. Uh, you can either put a request in the Discord thread or email us at thearmistinquisition at gmail.com. If you're uh, going through a difficult patch in your life or uh, a relationship, Mm-hmm. Or maybe you have something big coming up that you want some inspiration for, some help. Put your request in the aforementioned, via the aforementioned mediums. And we, as a podcasting community, will focus our chi in your direction for your given aim. Yeah. And it's 100% effective. Yeah. S- thus far. Yeah. Driving theory tests, we've sorted. Mm-hmm. Flu. Yeah, I think flu. we've beaten the flu m- m- several times. Broken ankle. <laughs> broken ankle once was it? Do we fix a broken ankle? I think so. Oh, that's good. Um, wow. Yeah, and if you're a man, any prostate issues? Sort you right out. Prostate. Good is that where you aim? That's what you got to aim for. I am going to aim for the prostate in the men. <laughs> Central. Leave us a, a review. We don't get enough reviews for my liking. We need more, and then we can read it out. Yeah, we like reading reviews out. Mm. Uh, if, or if you're on uh, Spotify, you can le- leave us the star rating now. Give us five stars on the uh, little yeah inside the player. Only takes a second, and yeah. it helps. Yeah. Also, remember to smash the like button on everywhere. <laughs> for, That's the, for the algorithm. Yeah, it's good for the algo. The algor. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Any other ways to become a producer? Oh, with show artwork. <clears throat> yeah, I said that. Oh, have you said show artwork? You didn't oh. pick up on my uh, hint. You just talked over me. Sorry, like weren't I... listening. No. Uh, we have new episode artwork each week, and you can uh, submit them via the Discord or via the email. This is my one that I've done this week. Look at that. <laughs> Boom. What have we got going on there? That's the uh, sort of an artist rendition of the recat structure at the bottom, as it as it may have looked when there was water channeled in in whatnot. Right. Okay. That's uh, North Africa. There's the Pillars of Hercules right up at the top in the middle. Yeah. The Strait of Gibraltar. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, these images um, are from Chris's stuff from his YouTube and his, his okay. books and whatnot. Right. It was just one that I, I picked. So. Simple as, really. Simple. Yeah. Right, is that it then? No, you can toss us a coin as well. Oh, right. Sorry? A donation? <laughs> yes. Toss a coin to your witcher. Do it for the lads. 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 You know, because... Oh, we're northern and we're bloody miserable and the weather's fucking shit. Yeah, if you go to the armorsinquisition.com, you'll find the PayPal button there and you can give us a one-off donation, sign up for a monthly recurring sustaining donation, and uh, this helps us keep the lights on and pay for the various costs associated with doing the shit show every week. Yes, Only you fuckers out there can save Plotland. And uh, keep us on track, keep us going. Yeah. Marvellous. That's it then, is it just, uh, what do we have to do? Thank the producers, is it time? Big up, time big up big the, up man the man Dems. Dems, yo. It's time to big up the man Dems, yo. Producers for episode 260, we've got Rona Kesson, Nicholas, Ben Limmer, Matthew Chin, Helen and Slicko. Thank you. You're so amazing. They are. Yeah. So amazing. And there, love and literally the best mate. You you are extremely cool, guys. Because oh, I'm literally a communist. The dwarf, the carrots, the grape, the homophobe, the winds, the base, the sigma chad, the corn chunks, the number eleven, the blind man, the big jungus, the cripple, and the mother of the bickering from hell. Dave's asking, is this tune from the Creative Commons Library? I think it is. I think it is. But God knows where I found it. It was on YouTube. Great band. I hope it is, otherwise I'm using it illegally. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't think I would have done that. I think it must be open source or something. I'm not sure where I found it. I'm sure it was on YouTube. So... So what do you think of the new Roadcaster? Well, I guess it's crisp. It looks nice, doesn't it? I mean, it looks like it's like a disco down there. There's more lights, isn't there? Yeah. All the knobs have got lights on. The uh, Was that screen always like that? No, it's a bigger screen and it's got more on it. I've got like a runtime. I can see a lot more what's mm. happening. Mm. The record button is smaller. Oh, wow. Mm. <laughs> My box under here is gone. My uh, vocal effects box has disappeared from under here. Why? Why? Have you got? Is this got? Is it, it got does, them built in? It does stuff. Yeah. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What would you like? Like a megaphone? Testing one two. <laughs> Anyone in there? Hello. That's good. Oh, it does I, me as I, well. Oh, I can make oh, it do anyone. Oh. Very good. <laughs> Yeah, we we had Mario, sorry, JC Warlock on the chat is saying, have you heard of uh, Mario Build Reps? We had him on a few months ago. I think it was in the summer. I think I was on holiday, so maybe August time. Yeah, I think it was August, yeah. I can't remember what episode number it was, but yeah, we we did uh, a show with Mario. I love his theory. Very interesting. I don't think you were here for that one. No, I was, on, I was on holiday, wasn't it? No. Yeah, all oh, right. That would be right. So it would be August then. Mm. I am allowed yeah. to have a holiday, you know. 
It's all right, it's all right, whatever. How many different voices does it have? I don't know. Um, Endless. We could probably um, form like a chipmunk choir. Like a chipmunk voice? Yeah. <laughs> I'm liking that. Yeah. Mine's not changed, though. No, but, I mean, what do you want to do? <laughs> it's like, uh, what, you're saying you, you're saying you want to be a chipmunk as well? Is that what you're saying? Maybe. I don't know. How's that sound? Exactly the same. Really? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there's no change here. No. Nah, I don't think I can put it on Ben's. <laughs> well, what you sound, why are you putting a camp voice on? <laughs> I can't help it. This is one of those things when you have the voice on me, so I'll go a bit... A bit gay! <laughs> oh, dear. It's good fun, isn't it? Mm, yeah. You know. Hours of fun there. Do you see, uh, I've got one, I've created one of my own in the top left there. Michael Jackson. God, What's your favourite Michael Jackson song? Uh, Billie Jean. Liberian Girl, yes, good choice. <laughs> <laughs> Liberian Girl. You came and you changed my world. No. No. Well, I don't understand how that makes you sound like Michael Jackson. As I came through the window, it's the sound of a crescendo. Ah. The blood face and the carpet. Ah. It just sounds like a, a chipmunk. Some morning. What? <laughs> it doesn't sound like a chipmunk. It does. Ah. Some morning. Uh, not liking that. I mean, it's not that I don't like it. It's just that, you know, you don't sound like Michael Jackson. Oh, well, I didn't have, I haven't had long to uh, fuck around with it, to be honest. No. I've got Mark Zuckerberg on there. I'm the CEO of Meta, Meta Incorporated, Mark Zuckerberg. Resistance is futile. Good. Well, that's I, cool. I enjoyed that one, yeah. Good. Good. Just uh, shoot the juice to me, Bruce. And... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, sorry. The blood piss <laughs> on the carpet. <laughs> 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 As I'm going to the table, I see the blood face on the carpet. <laughs> oh, my uh, God. Good. Hours of endless fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. I've got a couple of clips if you want to do them. What time are we on? Oh, we're not too bad. Yeah, not so on. bad for time. Cool. Um, <laughs> just made my eye. <laughs> Is there? Yeah. Are you crying? Was it that good? Just crying of shame. <laughs> Been involved in this podcast for five years. Oh dear! Better people were just giving up. <laughs> you know, uh, this morning—that's uh, the UK's premier. Like Good Morning America. Is it like that? No, no, that's, that's like, like Good Morning Britain. Yeah, this morning's more of like a light entertainment yeah. magazine show, isn't it? Ellen, maybe. Yeah, Oprah. Oprah. Yeah, Holly and Phil. Yeah. The uh, the sort of they got in trouble, didn't they, recently with the uh, old Queen Queenie funeral thing? They're getting a lot of flack, weren't oh. they? From yeah, because they were queue jumpers. Were they allegedly? Alle- well, they went in the media way, didn't they? That was the thing. There oh. Was a me- oh, yeah, there was a media. <clears throat> so there was a media entrance to Oh Willie G Willie G. Da, 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 <laughs> da, da, da. Chungus, <laughs> Chungus never seems so sus, so sus, so sus. He vents to electrical. 
There was a vegan, not a vegan, <laughs> a media, <laughs> a media entrance. Yeah, like this, sort of, yeah. So, it, it, where uh, was it? Was it out? Uh, UK, I don't know. Somewhere in London, that down <laughs> London, isn't it? <laughs> was it not in the fucking thing across from? What's it called? West, Westminster Abbey. Was it not there? Was she not there? I don't know. Right. Okay. But yeah, there, apparently there was another entrance, and they went in that entrance, but they weren't in the the ten mile queue. Right. They had uh, Miriam Margols on this week answering calls is like an agony aunt. You know, who Miriam Margols is no. a little grey-haired actress. She was in some of the Harry Potter films. No. She's she's known for being based. Sigma Chad. A base Sigma. <laughs> based Sigma Chad. I don't think she's a Chad. Base Sigma Twat, maybe? I don't know who she is. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I've got a, a call here. Uh, Leanne says, I'm a plus-size lady and I don't have any confidence at all. I oh. think I'm thinking about getting back on the dating scene and I might need a boost, but, uh, I need, but I'm very nervous. How can I get my confidence back? I don't know anything about the dating scene because I've been with my partner for 54 years mm. and for most of it, I've been faithful. You know, nearly all of it, actually. Mm. Well but done. there have been a... You know, I'm not going to pretend I'm Lily White, but um, I believe that there are... Uh... I thought she was going to sort of out herself at that point. Yeah. Would go into her, her various affairs that she'd had. I mean, it sounded a bit that way, didn't it? <laughs> but no. Sort of dating websites, mm -hmm. apps, or, like Grinder and, and... I don't know, entirely sure that Leanne will be interested in that one. No? Yeah, is no, is no, that no. a gay one? It is, yes. Oh, sorry. I don't want you to go gay. It's not worth it at your <laughs> no, time No, that, that may certainly be an option. Well, it's an I'm option, still not, but... still not sure that's the right one for Leanne. I don't want you to go gay. Um, um, know your you audience. Should... Know your audience. Do lose a bit of weight, darling. If you think you're too fat to have sex, lose a bit of weight. <laughs> you know, don't eat too much at Christmas. Um, because we all do. <laughs> for, the, for the next ten years. <laughs> and um, join a club of photography or line dancing. Some... What's, what's up, Ben? <laughs> You're shaking your head at a photography club? No, I was just trying to get a, um, a tickle out of my oh. respiratory okay. track. He was just coughing. Something that... I mean, photography clubs and line dancing. What decade is she living in? Is she living in 1999? Like... Is that when line dancing went massive? Yeah, well, I was going to say it's at least the 90s, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe when like digital cameras were just coming, taking off. Like you, when you could get like oh, a megapixel yeah. camera. Brings you into contact with other people. Go and volunteer at a, yeah. at a, at a centre for, for, for disadvantaged folk, you know, poor people and, 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 and cripples. <laughs> Where have they, who's she? <laughs> Where have they fucking dug her up from? <gasps> The dwarf, the cripple, and the mother of madness. And, and people in <laughs> hospital. And you'll meet, you might meet another cripple, but, you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> another cripple? Yeah. She just said that she was overweight. Well, that obviously equates to being a cripple in so, Miriam's eyes. Miriam's Shattered saying... Hips. Yeah, Miriam's saying, don't go gay. 
I don't want you to go gay. Yeah, that would be a waste at, at this time in your life. And also... You might meet another cripple. If you go to a club. <laughs> I am not gay. She's not a cripple. <laughs> She's just a bit overweight. Yeah. Sounding a little bit Dickensian, but you know what she means. <laughs> God bless us, everyone. Yes. Don't, but lose a bit of weight, because it'll do you good, darling. I keep trying. I honestly do. So that's my advice. Lose a bit of weight and wash. Make sure you wash very carefully all the crevices, all the bits you find it difficult to reach. Wash. Happy Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Marvellous. There you go, you don't get that. <sighs> you might, and I know things. You might meet another cripple. Yeah. Is it this one? You might meet another cripple. <laughs> so I turned it down a bit. You might meet another cripple. I am not gay. I don't want you to go gay. I am not gay. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Wild. She's wild, isn't she? Every day she needs to be on the telly. Was the agony aunt giving advice? Yeah. So she's not a real <laughs> agony aunt, is she? Is she not? I don't know. She's like the agony aunt in the Telegraph or something. I don't know. She's a... Based Sigma Chad. Based Sigma Chad, I would say. <laughs> yeah. At least Sigma. I heard she's aroused by e-scooters. They say you're aroused by e-scooters at the age of 34. Which... That's Ben's favourite. Is it? Mm. Ah, it's not. Not my favourite. Wagwan fam, you're going to Somerset. That's the best. Wagwan. Um, Wagwan. Do you remember? Um, do you remember the TV show Banzai? Banzai. Yeah. Is that still going? <coughs> Sorry. Shaky hands, man. man. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of the famous guys. Um, Joe Biden tried to br break Shaky Hands Man's record this week. It's oh. in the video. No. I can find it. Here we go. He's, he's meeting Macron. Uh, got timer on. He's holding his hand, though, isn't he? Holding. Hold. What? Well, there's a thing with hands shaking that they're probably told in mm -hmm. that I think you've got to be in charge at this point. So the, the patting is like... Um, it's like asserting your dominance over the other person. So you pat him like that. Or if you get him behind the head. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, football so, managers quite... And they go in and they go... <laughs> What's the matter, Tubbs? You've been pushing pencils with the CIA? You know, that kind of thing. And then, they, But then the other one will go and grab the back of his head and they'll rub his head and go... And then it... Because then that means you're, you look more dominant than the other one, you see. Yeah, I think Trump did a lot of that stuff when he was yeah. president, maybe. Slapped a cheek. Yeah. <laughs> Can't slap your face. Well, like that. well, let's see. Go on then. Right, so he's trying to go away now. Macron's trying to break off. He's trying to go. So we're 14 seconds in. Biden's not having any of it. No. You're mine, bitch. We're just getting started. <laughs> Based Sigma Chad. <laughs> Here we go. Um, looking confused. Uncomfortable. <laughs> Macron is looking confused now. Oh, he's stroking his arm. Let me go! Yeah, and again, away <laughs> he goes. What yeah. did you do with Big Chungus? Still going. 28 seconds. Biden's just... Macros are staring at him like, what are you doing now? Yeah. He's crushing his hand. 
Oh, that's he's trying to break off yeah. each time Macron yeah. goes in with the left hand as, with the part. He's trying to break it off, isn't he? He, he knows that this is going to be on um, <laughs> the Arms Inquisition. Yeah, wildly <laughs> underwatched and under listened to podcasts in the UK. That means you get. <laughs> Oh, nice. That was from John Talks on YouTube. Is it still going, that one, then? What? It's the handshake. Is it still going now? Oh, yeah, presumably. They're going to yeah. be buried together. It didn't show that he, that he ever let go, did they? Oh, well, there's Hell Helen's on it. Banzai! Banzai. Yeah. Mm. I, I can only remember the shaky hands, man. That's all I can remember from it yeah. as well. Shaky hands, man. Was it narrated by Craig Charles? Or was that Takeshi's Castle? That was Takeshi's Castle. Mm-mm. That was good. I, I remember the last round being wild. When they in go-karts or something. <laughs> yeah, that was fun house. <laughs> <laughs> I went to the garden centre today. <laughs> and the man who says that the till... Pat Sean? Yeah. Said um, he was going to go to Tokyo and um, do a tour in a Mario Kart around the city. Now, I've heard that Disney are looking at opening a park. Uh, it's not Disney, Nintendo are looking at opening a park. I believe Alla, there is Alla one. Disney. I think there is one. Is there the one? That's, I think that's what he would meant, yeah. They're trying to start their own cinematic universe, aren't they, with this uh, Mario film? Oh, right, okay. Um, Chris Pratt, I think, is the lead. Is it not like a, an animated one, though? Oh, I don't know. I think it's what yeah, I saw. Yeah, it's animated. I mean, Chris you can still Pratt make a... Oh, yeah. Builder. So, Donkey Kong next. Yeah, what other IP does, uh, like, Nintendo have exclusivity? exclusivity? Bomber. Metroid. Super, Metroid. Super, Bomberman. Super Bomberman. Smash Bros. Zelda. Zelda, yeah. Zelda would be... Your Lord of the Rings shtick. Mm. Metroid for your space stuff. She is uh, always right. Mm. Yeah. Um, Don't know what else. Bubble Bobble. <laughs> I think that was Tycho actually. Or uh... Tico Brahe. Yeah. Tico. That's so mad. <coughs> Ooh. Tetris. It's already been Golden Eye. Come on, man. <coughs> What are you doing, Ben? Are you gonna uh, are you gonna survive till next week's podcast or what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna take some drugs, and then we'll see how it goes. Uh-huh. Same as every weekend. <laughs> what uh, what smack spice? What's the go to? Whatever I can get my hands on. I got some weird tea from a from a, a friend from the Middle East. I might try that. It's like crystals, and you smoke them. No, you drink it. It's like in a tea. Is it not? Quite, I'm sure that's... Good. Is that not like Turkish tea? I've had tea. I used to... Well, when we went on holiday to Turkey, I made my mum and dad bring it back, and it was just like sugar. It tasted like apple or cherry or something. Could be. New to me. Never heard of it. Hmm. i try it. I haven't got a sachet on me, otherwise I would show you the uh, packaging. It's mm. in Arabic, so you know it's proper. Yeah. <laughs> So mm. I might give that a whirl. Um, mm. Yeah, then just, yeah, whatever. Recommendations. 
Yeah, get your balls played with. Yeah. Oh, yeah, balls update next week. Yeah, I'm getting ultrasounded, so let you know if uh, it's a boy or a girl. Oh, gosh, I'd be, I'd be worried about that. I've seen those sounding videos online. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that. it's like that, but ultra. Ultra, yeah. It's like a two-by-four up there. Mm, yeah. God. Mind me for splinters. <laughs> well, I think it's, as long as you go with a grain, you're all right. Mm. It's, it's pulling out that's going to be the problem. <laughs> How? Uh, which way does the grain run on your cock? Just all over the place. <laughs> Is it? Oh, are they going to go with the grain then? I th- well, specialists, Phil. Hopefully the, they'll, uh, they'll have seen something like that before. Right, they're doing this several times a day, sticking a piece right. of wood up men's jap size. So. I think that's that's mm. how the NHS works. I believe so. That's yeah. what they do, yeah. They just, like, smash your balls with <laughs> wood. You see, you see <laughs> Nadim Zahawi on, on the news this morning on some politics show <laughs> saying, uh, you know, he's t- he, was t- he was being asked about the nurses striking for the pay rise. And he was saying, words to the effect of, you know, we we need to really show solidarity with uh, and send Mr. Putin a message that we're not going to uh, go on strike or ask for outrageous pay deals. You know, we're all in this together. Oh, yeah, whatever. Oh, yeah. Hell. <laughs> wow. great. It's fantastic. They're trying to pin, they're trying to pin all the inflation on, uh, on uh, Mr. Putin. No. Uh, same as um, Biden did. He was talking about um, Putin's price hikes. That was the way they were put, the way they were um, characterizing inflation. Putin's price hikes. Nothing to do with the trillions of units of currency they printed in 2020. Coming home to roost. But, you know, it's, uh, it's a right mess, isn't it? Because mm. it's not just the nurses. There's all sorts going on strike. I think there's teachers, isn't there? Supposed to be rail, rail. It's been, they've been striking since the summer, though, haven't they? The rail hosties, hosties. Yeah, that's another one. If you, because uh, mm. my missus has to send some stuff to Ireland, and I think she's only got about four days now. Yeah, they're going on strike on Christmas Eve. I think they said the whole country's coming to a halt. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? This is the first time that nurses have ever um, been on strike properly. Uh, ambulance drivers, right? I believe yeah, paramedics. Yeah, it's uh, a mess, isn't it? Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, like That's David, is, is, what are you asking us? Hmm? There, Dave. Do you think they should shoot you? <laughs> <coughs> Drinkable DMT. I don't. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, these are all recommendations for uh, remedies, right? Right, okay. There was, used to be a thing where you'd put, like, salts in a bowl of hot water and then put a towel over your head. What, and then you would eat someone's face off? <laughs> no, if you had a cold, to clear your sinuses. Yeah, it's like yeah. Vicks Vapor Rub stuff, that wasn't Is it? it? Yeah. I've seen a lot of videos, well, I've had to delete TikTok off my phone now. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, I can't be trusted to have things like that. Because it's just making me watch it instead of doing everything else. Um, <coughs> but the, the thing now of spraying saline up your nose or just water to clear your sinuses and loads of snot coming out. Like high pressure? Yeah. What if your brain, it would like melt, smash your brain up. You end up with your brain dripping out your sinuses, no? 
Well, it probably helps it's you. not connected. It? Yeah, it's for the best. It washes your brain. That's the idea. <laughs> that's yeah. it. What Watching enough TikTok will wash your brain. Yeah, no. Yeah. Same with Netflix. Yeah. My oh, brain... I finished The Crown. Did you? <laughs> yep. Spoiler alert. No. It's uh yeah, it was all right. I was I was expecting a more of a uh more of a car crash ending. Did you um were you on Team Charles or Team Diana? It's, I think they're both a bit fucking stupid to be honest. Yeah. Diana's prettier though. So, you know, she gets an extra point. Does she have massive sausage fingers though? Well, she can handle a pen. So, unlike Charles, yeah, it was um, well, it was all right, I suppose. There's this Harry and Meghan thing to watch now. Next, oh god, I can't watch that. No, it's like a documentary or a drama, drama oh, documentary. So like, it's, this it's one <laughs> supposed to be like a thing. Like, I, I, I can't remember if they spent something like a hundred and odd million dollars on it, like for the rights for to make a documentary about them too. Basically, Netflix. Well, I'll probably not watch it. Hope it, it does better than their podcast. Oh God, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that the yeah uh, the. All oh, right, okay. I remember that story that Dave. What's up? <clears throat> the Miami police officer shooting that guy who was eating a man's face. Um. Yeah. What? Why? What was he high on then? Bath salts. Bath salts. Is that what it was? Bath salts. Yeah, radox. <laughs> Had he been eating them? I, think, oh, I don't know what you did with bath salts. It was a few years ago now. Ten years ago, was it? The bath salts craze? was a thing. I think Epsom salts have always been a thing, haven't they? I don't really know what they do. Uh, yeah, bath salts was something that they labelled as not for human consumption. And it was that was the sort of cover story that it was to put in your bath. <laughs> but it wasn't. It was a narcotic. That's how they were able to sell it online. It's bath salts. Like poppers oh, as a remoderizer. Right, okay. Yeah. Like right. a legal high type thing. Right, okay. To get around regulation and whatnot. Oh. Like MCAT. I don't know. Well, I think that... that was one of them. Yeah, that would look like it was crystal, wasn't it? Or mm. crystalline. I suppose most things can be, can't they? Cake. Yellow <laughs> bentines. Yeah, I was... Uh, <laughs> I watched a documentary about Xanax. Sounds nice, Xanax. Xanax, that's... Um, is that... Um, reuptake in Mono. No, it's not an SSRI. It's... Uh, oh, fuck me. I need a is name. Opiate? No, MOA. It's no, it's not an opiate. What is it? It's like a... Speed? It's like benzo. Benzo... Diazepam. Yeah, it's like diazepam, basically. It's basically diazepam, I think. What was the documentary acting. about? It's like, all it's all good, right? We should, we should there was a maybe mixture. Have, more, have more. There was a mixture, really, in that one person said um, it ruined his life, another person said it didn't, and there was somebody in the middle. Oh, perfect balance. But this oh. guy, it was like in his, it looked like he was in his fifties. <laughs> I think he'd been taking it for thirty years, but it's all really it's intended for use for a maximum of a month, Oof. and he'd been on it for thirty years. Started on half a milligram. And he was on three milligrams a day, and he stopped. He stopped taking. I shouldn't laugh. He stopped taking it 
and he just went completely batshit. He like fucked his brain up basically. The one time for the one time. <laughs> yeah. So like how it worked, I think it's like it, it slowed the connectivity between the neurons in your brain basically. So it calms you down. And then he, um, so when he stopped taking it, he was like basically overwhelmed by everything essentially. So he had like tin- tinnitus, um, yeah, all of his, uh, but loads of weird stuff was going on. <clears throat> so what he did is he, I think he was some sort of chemist himself, and he made his own uh, dosages at home in a liquid form, but and he reduced it by like a tiny, tiny amount each day, so he didn't do it like, you know, a half a milligram or whatever. So he weaned himself off? Over the course of three years, yeah. Right. Wow. What was his alternative? Like, were they just, just prescribing? Uh, uh, yeah, well, he just wanted to come off it, basically, because it was causing him all these different issues. Essentially, long-term use. Oh. Was that on Netflix? Yeah. It wasn't that great. The thing is, like, documentaries on Netflix, they're so... There's always an agenda. What are you talking about? Graham Hancock? Any of them. <laughs> Any of them. Yeah, that Most one included. Show on Earth. Uh, there's always an agenda behind documentaries. It's like there's been all sorts around uh, uh, environmentalism and veganism over the last 10 years. Oh, fucking the Al Gore one. Christ. Yeah. Uh, what, the Uncomfortable Truth? I can't remember what it's called. The Uncomfortable but... Truth, isn't it? I can't remember. It's something like that. Uh, yeah. I, I just, uh, I think you're best with books, really. I think you're better with books than documentaries on telly. There's only so much you can cram into an hour of TV or, mm. or four hour long episodes and stuff. Mm. And they tend to be slanted and uh, it's entertainment at the end of the day. Yeah. TV documentaries is, you know, I don't think it's uh, the truth. So, my two cents. Shall we fuck off into the night or what? Yeah. Nothing funny to add, so you never do. No, might as well go, eh? Yeah, go. Let's go. Are you entertained? I was. I was. Are you not entertained? Good. Good. Good job. You like what I got? <laughs> like it. <laughs> okay. Come back next week, then, eh? The audience, the live audience, love it. Good. I love you. Epic dub. Congratulations on becoming a doctor of thugonomics. (laughs) (laughs) Well, have a good rest of the afternoon in California, Dave. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Beyond the Atlas Mountains. Dave Matheson is in California. He is, isn't he? As far as we know, yeah. Well, he could be anywhere. He could be, couldn't he? Probably surfing. Yeah, <laughs> surfing <at> Kelly <laughs> or, 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 or skateboarding. Yeah. <laughs> Run, boy. Respect. Man. Respect to Dave Matheson. I think yes. we should get him on in the new year. It's been a long time. Yeah. Uh, Do we not just have him on the other month? <laughs> nope. Oh, right. No, not him. It's, it was a year. We, it's January. Wow. So. Time yes, we need our annual dose of Big D. Big D Matheson. Big D energy. <laughs> 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 oh, 
Don't you take your out You're a big jungus. Right. Yeah, let's get him on. Right. We will watch your video on the recat. Shrubcher Dave. Oh, right, yeah. Yes. We'll do that. Mm. Yeah, and uh, a good time to watch videos on the recap structure is when you're stuck between the devil and the rock. Well, the thing is, what do you do? You caught between the devil and the rock at a half place. Watch a video on the recap structure, I would yeah. say. Dime bar. Right, see you same same yeah. time next week. Yeah, bye. Bye. Yeah, bye. You're not just irresponsible. I mean, you're an idiot. I am not gay. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. I am going to aim for the prostate in the men. Easy now, fuzzy little man, Peach.